Hey guys, Matt from Back Yourself Fitness here, and welcome to Season 2 of the Back Yourself Podcast. Exciting times here for us here at the Back Yourself Fitness Camp. Uh, Some of the things we will let you in on, some of the things we're going to keep close to our chest, and you're just going to have to wait and see what happens. Uh, New introductions to the podcast. How good. Trying something different. Um, So going to go through a couple of special mentions, then we're going to get into today's episode. First special mention goes to the Aspley Hornets Footy Club. Now, Back Yourself Fitness is an ongoing sponsor, uh, corporate sponsor of the club. Um, I've been around the club for years uh, and will continue to be around the club. Uh, It's a great place to be around, great footy club. They're currently in the middle of their uh, sign-up for 2020 season. So if you have young kids or you yourself is keen to have a bit of a kick Get in contact with the Aspley Footy Club. If you jump onto their website, they've got all the registration and sign-up information on there. They do everything from juniors to top-level representative stuff to mixed AFL nines on a Monday night, I believe. So it's open to all ages. They've they've got something for everyone, especially with the footy club there as well. Um, So once again, jump onto the Aspley Hornets Footy Club website and all the sign-up information will be there. Next little shout-out goes to Praxis Physio. So I spoke to Steve from Praxis Physio. He was one of the founders um, in Season 1. In an upcoming episode, we actually sit down with Emma, who is another physio at Praxis, but she also uses Reformer Pilates and Pilates in her strengthening programs for her clients. So Praxis Physio is a great place to go and get your niggles checked. Why? Because they do a full assessment of what's going on before they even start treating you. And like I just said, they have physios there that use Reformer Pilates and Pilates as part of their strengthening programs for their clients. If you're going to a physio who doesn't do assessment on you, and if you're going to a physio that just puts the TENS machine or a heat pack on you, they're not the physio for you. You need to find somewhere that will actually look at the cause, then treat the problem, not just let's have a look at where the pain is. So praxisphysio.com.au for more information about their services that they offer. They run Pilates classes out of there as well as the physio work that they do. And you can also book their services online. So praxisphysio.com.au for all your niggle fixing needs. Um, Let's have a little bit of a talk about Back Yourself Fitness for a second. Exciting stuff going on for us. Um, Both studios uh, currently have their group schedule in full swing. So our groups are no more than 10 people. We try and keep that private environment. Um, We want to have that little bit of a PT feel to our groups. So even in a group, you'll have a PT there that will come and help you and correct you with whatever's whatever's going on in the exercise. It's not like a 40-person class where you never see the trainer face-to-face. So the Back Yourself Fitness groups are available for all fitness levels. So if you are interested in that, please get in contact with us. Um, Staying on that, we are very excited to announce that Back Yourself Fitness is working with sporting clubs and helping develop their junior players. So we currently have a couple of clubs who we're working with locally to help build their juniors up as they go through heading towards that top-level competitive side. Um, So if your footy club, soccer club, basketball club, netball club, whatever it is, is looking to get a little bit of extra fitness and conditioning work, especially for their developing junior squads, then get in contact with us here at Back Yourself Fitness because that is a, a new avenue that we are going down and it's something that we want to continue moving forward. Now we have some very big news. 
that we can't tell you about right now. But it is very, very big news for us here. Every year at Back Yourself Fitness, we have grown. We have gotten bigger this year. And 2020 will be no different. You need to stay tuned because we have a very, very big announcement coming up. But like I said, I can't tell you now. Today's episode of the podcast, I talked to a, a man who is a, well, where do I start with Bosco? He has an amazing story, purely because there are so many different facets to his backstory. Let's go. He did a TED Talk. He is a motivational speaker. He is an immigrant that came in from uh, a third world country that had to fully adjust moving over here, living by himself, leaving family behind. He's gone on his own massive weight loss journey. He's written a book um, where he's a digital strategist. He does constant online marketing meetings with all companies around the world. It is truly an amazing chat listening to the way his brain works. Um, all right, let's get into today's episode. This is Bosco Anthony on episode one of season two of the Back Yourself podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome. The Back Yourself podcast is back for season two. Yes, I have been renewed. How good. Uh, Bosco, thanks for coming in, my friend. Thank you for having me, Matt. No, I can tick off a couple of things with you. So you are another on location episode, which is always exciting. It's always fun. It's always, I don't know, exciting coming into a place that's a little bit nicer than where I record mine. So thanks for that. Uh, But also my first international guest. So that's awesome. I I will claim that. (laughs) Well, hopefully my accent doesn't throw people off. That's nah, all right. They can deal with it. <laughs> um, as always, from the Back Yourself podcast, I'm going to throw 10 questions at you to start off with. Um, they're going to be here, there, and everywhere, and it's just you let it fly. All right. Happy days. Okay. So question number one, how many hours sleep do you get per night? That's a good question. I would say that I am probably in the best shape of my life now as far as sleep is concerned. I've been trying to average about seven to eight mm-hmm. and i think the mattress has everything to do with it so uh, a couple of years ago when i was going through a, a health change in my life i decided to get a tempurpedic mattress which usually costs more in the bed industry but uh, it definitely allows you to align you back a lot more and so i uh, i invested in that and i read this book by ariana huffington mm. um the sleep revolution okay and there's a lot of benefits to sleeping a lot of uh, benefits to the body, as you know. So, mm. um, so uh, based on all the life changes that I was making, sleep was an important currency. So I try to go to bed by nine yep. usually, uh, but I also happen to work uh, where I used to wake up around four or five or six in the morning. So yep. once you wake up early in the morning, it's sort of a routine, even on the weekends. Yep. So that's the unfortunate part about uh, waking up early is the sleep-ins on okay. the weekends. Preaching to the choir. Yeah, as you probably like, know. So, yeah, you wake, yeah. Up, wake up at seven, it's like, oh, yes, sleep-in. Yeah. yeah. And then you go back and you're like, oh, wait, I can't get some sleep. Yep. So so really, I would say that sleep's an important currency, and uh, I try to aim for eight hours now. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Uh, second question's a little bit broad, but yeah. it will have a much more specific answer. Who's your sports team? Uh, so I, I grew up playing soccer, mm-hmm. and I support Manchester United, for better or worse. Yep. So I'm a soccer fan. Okay. But, uh, I, I mean, I watch football, basketball. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, I'm trying to get into rugby, as most people coming to Australia do. Yeah, okay. But I think I need a bit more time and people to kind of explain the game to me. Yep. But, but I picked up American football pretty quickly when I was in Canada. Yep. But I would say Man United for, for soccer, for sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, do you follow any specific eating or nutritional plans? 
Well, I mean, we live in a, in a digital age where you're constantly being disrupted with new different sort of habits. So I, w- I wouldn't say that I follow a plan. I would say I'm inspired by different plans and I, I try to try different things based on interest. Mm-hmm. Um, I recently saw uh, online the habits and sort of the food eating plans by Cristiano Ronaldo, who basically has multiple naps. Yeah. And multiple meals, yep. but you know, like smaller meals and, and some keto lifestyle sort of choices as well. So I would say that I dive a little bit into trying different things yep. and see what works for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of it works, some of it doesn't really work for me. Yep. Uh, the biggest change for me was moving more into a vegetarian based diet and still having the, you know, the needs and wants of wanting fish and meat and everything yep. else, but. But really, having more plant-based diet into my into my uh, plan, and, and I've seen some significant changes from it. Yep. But I wouldn't necessarily say that it's one of those things that you know I I live and die by. Yep. And that's the that's the thing that I find like people get so overwhelmed with. Oh, do I need to count macros? Do I need to count calories? How many calories is in this? Uh, yeah. I've hit my limit for that. Like people lose their minds when it comes to nutrition and it's knowledge is power. And once you take a deep breath and go, oh, it's actually not that bad. Things are so much better. Like you just said it then I'm the same. It's like, cool. I'm going to eat till I'm content. If I'm eating for performance, I'm going to eat more. I'm going to make sure there's color on my plate and make sure I've got yeah. protein and carbs with every meal. Yeah. Happy days. And, and you know, the, the challenge as well, man, is that we, we live in a world right now where we're constantly contradicting ourselves with the content that's out there digitally Mm. right so you know at one point 10 15 20 years ago the atkins diet was the biggest sort of trend you know it seems funny seeing ads for the atkins diet now yeah yeah. and so you know and then we go through the stage where like we we bring back the retro days of you know the nutritional meals so so unfortunately i wouldn't say that you know we live in an age where information is is key anymore i think too much information can be also detrimental because it contradicts a lot of uh, people and I think everybody is different. Every mm. person is different. We respond to allergies and sensitivities a lot differently as well. And also, sure. depending on which part of the world you live in, I come from a colder climate, so you know where I come from, stews and soups are like the big thing. Yep. And I find people here love their salads more. So yep. you know, it really there's a lot of environmental factors that play, that also play a, a huge role in, in things. But uh, yeah, I think I think you have to have an open mind, and I think that. Sometimes we were as humans, we get tunnel vision mm. in everything we do. And you said something there, everyone's different. And you just listed off straight away that the different ways that your body can operate. And I always raise my eyebrows at, I'm going to say gyms, I'm going to say it, that go, here's your eating plan, person that I've never met before. And you've never had any tests done. Some PT is giving you an eating plan. It's yeah. like, hmm. Yeah. I think that's just a cookie cutter thing. And I'm a controversial guest, so I'm going to say things that might trigger people the wrong way. But yeah. I think I think gyms need to evolve as mm. well. And and I know that might not be for everybody or everyone's cup of tea, but I think I think that there's something to be said about personal one-on-one attention. And I think this, you know, we live in an age now where not everybody fits the box. For sure. And unfortunately, when you start to run gyms like you're running a commercial business and and we forget that there's a human to human element, I think that, you know, things can get lost and and people can get basically neglected as well. Mm, definitely. So. Yeah. That's I always like I obviously have my my own morals when it comes to work and obviously you gotta have business ethics as well. But yeah. like I said to you before the mice got turned on, we we're just talking about shop and stuff like that. And I have a moral that I never wanna lose when it comes to the business and it and it is helping that one on one 
kind of vibe and I see other places that, and I'm not saying what I'm doing works, but you see other bigger gyms that kind of get lost in that translation and, yeah. and it becomes dollar dollar value, I guess, that is the main thing. Right, and, and I think people have needs and people, people have uh, fears and insecurities and unfortunately, they haven't figured out how to make the gym friendly enough. Mm. They haven't figured out how to make the gym more inviting, you know, and when I was going through a, a massive health change in my life, you know, I I had a lot of questions, but I also had a lot of fears and insecurities. And as a man, I was I didn't know what to do with this. Mm. So I found solace in people that were working out, that were my colleagues, people that like that support network that were my support network. It was almost like I had a tribe of personal trainers that I felt more comfortable going to and going, "Hey, this is where I'm at. This is what I'm struggling with. What would you recommend?" Yeah, you know and. I, I couldn't find that in a gym. I couldn't find that in the uh, in the membership Netflix websites for gyms. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, exactly. You know, I couldn't find that in in the in the sort of sterile environment where you know people people have different needs. Yeah, for right? sure. So. Um, you touched on digital a second ago. Yeah. What social media outlet is your vice? You know, I would say Instagram at the moment seems to be uh, my outlet for creativity and inspiration. Uh, but I also move continents, so I find myself addicted to WhatsApp because yeah, okay. it makes me feel less disconnected from the people in Canada. Yeah. Um, as, as you probably know, I have a, a consulting and a mentoring business. So a lot of my clients basically are, um, you know, in North America. So. I find that the habit that I have to basically stop doing or catch mm. myself is not looking at the phone the minute I wake up in the morning. Yeah. Because there's a plethora of messages waiting for me. Yep. And then also when I'm going to bed, you know, it's a different time zone. So if I stay up too late, then I'm, it's affecting my sleep pattern. Yeah, so exactly. I would say mostly, you know, we have this, they call it FOMO in Canada, which mm. is the fear of missing out. Yep. I think we suffer from that sometimes digitally. And so as a, as a sort of a person with a digital background, I have to be more aware of when to put the phone away. For sure. And it's something that I've, I've catched, like caught myself doing. It's when you are relying on your phone, be it booking or work or whatever. Right. So right now, there's, I got a message sitting there from someone right now. Yeah. And I, I go, cool, I'll just check it. Yeah. And then you'll put it down and every two minutes you'll go, oh, wait, there's still nothing yeah. there. Or the, yeah. And you you catch yourself out. It's like, stop looking at your yeah. phone. Like, yeah. put it on well, charge in a different room. And you know, it, the, the sad thing about that is is that it it's almost like an addiction. So what ends up happening is I caught myself doing this as well where because I was on my phone at nighttime or the first thing in the morning, mm. I found myself looking at my phone during social engagements. You probably know family members or friends who will meet up with you for breakfast or dinner or lunch, and all of a sudden they're on their phone. Yeah, right. And and it's not that they're trying to be rude; it's just habit. It's habit. Yeah, right? yeah. So, um, you know, the book Aria, the book I just read, The Sleep Revolution by Ariana Huffington, she talks about how it's important to keep your blue screens away for thirty minutes before you go to bed. Yeah, and not look at it for at least thirty minutes to an hour, before, you know, after you wake up. Yeah. So I've been trying and experimenting with that, and you know, there's definitely. A correlation to turning off your phone and having proper sleep. I find that if I'm watching TV or if I'm on my phone and I try to go to bed right away, I don't have the best sleep patterns. Yes, that's you know? I'm the same. If I'm like swipe, 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 like yeah. scroll, whatever, and then I was like, oh, okay, time for bed, and you try and just close your eyes. Yeah, and I was like, good luck getting to sleep in the first 10, 15 minutes. That's like, right. It that's doesn't right. happen. Yeah. Uh, next question for you is yeah. another straight to the point. Yep. Yeah. How many coffees per day? 
I'm a tea drinker. Okay, so cool. So I, I usually crave a coffee or a latte on the weekends. Typically, mm-hmm. when, when I, I somehow I associate coffee and lattes to relaxation. Yeah, okay. So when I'm not working or I'm on holiday, I'll tend to, you know, explore a coffee. But I'm not one of those people that's addicted to yep. coffee. I, I, I can function just okay mm. with tea as well. Yep. Um, but again, you know moderation in anything you do yeah. is important i find if i drink too much tea i stain my teeth so yep. i've got to go see the dental cleaner and if i have too much coffee i'm wired too much as well yeah, so okay. so you know i've tried i've tried the smoothie smoothie diet in the morning mm. where you kind of you know start off with a smoothie as well or have some greens uh but i would say i lean more towards tea yeah okay yeah. um a question that's not as straight to the point yeah this is just out of curiosity i, yeah. I thought of this question purely based on all the different things that you do. Yeah. What's one area of your life that you think you can improve? One area. Balance. Okay. So I, and, and that's me being realistic with myself. So I, and I think coming to Australia has really helped me with this since in the sense that I've had to slow down a little bit more. Okay. Uh, I, I'm in a transition period right now. So, mm. you know, I've come from a, a, a lifestyle where, you know, I'm up early in the morning, I'm around people, I'm mm. on phone calls, I'm in business meetings, I'm speaking at, at, at conferences. And, and I know that that's the lifestyle I've become accustomed to. Mm. But being a workaholic can also be uh, dangerous because sometimes that also compromises other aspects of, of your lifestyle. So I would say that, you know, learning to balance and, and, and prior, prioritize you over bills, over, you know, adult adulting or yeah, yeah. you know looking after the house or everything else you know sometimes that's hard to sort of distinguish between the two so i think it's important to to have the, a positive self-talk with yourself and, mm. and constantly take a pulse check and go what could i do better or what could i do differently yeah but also you know i preach introspection to my clients every day so i'd be a hypocrite if i didn't practice what i preach so yeah, i try okay. to take a pulse check at least once a week and kind of analyze what I could have done better. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say right now I'm, I'm I'm finding a better balance between making time for what's important for my soul and for me, but more importantly, uh, how do I balance that with all the other aspects of my life, including the responsibilities that I I carry? Yeah, cool. Um, I think that's a <laughs> I cut like smiling to myself as you're like, oh, you got to work out balance, and if you're a workaholic and da da da, it's like, yes, that, <laughs> yeah, I hear you, I yeah. hear you. Yeah, I mean, especially if you're an entrepreneur as well. I mean, yeah, I mean you're first a person that's helping people with their lives through health, but you're also an entrepreneur. So mm. I'm sure you probably encountered this as well. I mean, yeah. you know, we, we have these default answers like I'm busy, I'm busy, Yeah. but really I'm busy is you're not balanced. So. Exactly. And so I think that it's important to, to make the time for the things that are important for you. Yeah. It's funny. Like the amount of times it's not a massive occurrence, but a handful of times I was like, I was having a shower, try to wind down, whatever. I walk out and be like, hey, Jen, what do you think if I did this? Like, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. never like, okay, five o'clock, turn off. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's always happening. Yeah. It's always happening. And it's also learning to say no as well. I think that's yeah. important too. Learning to say no or learning to say not now. You mm. know, we, we live in this world where we're just so oversaturated by the digital clutter out there that it's almost overwhelming, you mm. know, as people, as business people, as fitness people or people from the fitness background as well. How do you balance what you need to do with all the noise out there? Exactly. Um, that relates perfectly to the next question. Sure. The word mindfulness. Okay. What does mindfulness mean to you? 
I would say normally awareness, mm-hmm. but now I'm going to take it a step further and call it emotional intelligence as well. And there's there's a reason for that. Okay. So so it's one thing to be aware. You know, it's one thing to to feel like you have come to terms with some sort of awakening. You know, mm. but it's another thing to act on it, and it's another thing to actually uh, you know find the motivation to do something that you feel. Mm. And I think that 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 energy between thought to action i call it activation energy yep and i think the only way you get activation energy is through emotional intelligence you know and so let's 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 use this as an example Mm -hmm. how many of us know someone that says i need to give up sugar i need to cut down the coffee or i need to do better with my life well that's someone who's aware yeah you know but that's it that's all they want to do right and so people have great intentions in this world but to get them to actually act on that intention, it doesn't exist. They have to want to do it on their own. Mm. So that that concept of thinking about something and making that declarative statement and then going, okay, now I'm actually going to do something about it. That's that's what for me I, I think mindfulness is 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 being present in the now and and not just being present but then acting on the now. Mm. You know, it's the same reason why you get so many people join a gym in the first week of January. And then on the 30th of January, they're all canceling, Yeah, you know, and, and I was talking to a buddy of mine who, who works in a gym in Canada. And he said, he says every year without failure, January has our highest signups for gym memberships. And within two weeks, the highest drop off, right? Good intentions. People are aware, but they're not mindful enough to do anything about it. For sure. And you, you said two words there, and I've highlighted this in previous chats with other, uh, other people, as well as by myself, it's. You can say need until the cows come home. I need to do this. I need to do this. Yeah. Until you go, I want to do this, yeah. things aren't going to change. And like I even have those conversations with people like at social gatherings or whatever. And they're like, oh, yeah, I need to get back into it. Or I need to come down and see you. And you, my default response is, yeah, cool. Because I know it's not going to happen. Because we're just, we're just saying things now. Yeah. Like yeah. things aren't actually going to happen. Yeah. And, and, and I think we... I think society has trained us to be polite. Mm. So, you know, I would rather someone says to me, look, I can't do this because I'm struggling with motivation than someone saying, I'm going to come help. I'm going to seek your help sometime. Because at the end of the day, telling someone that they're going to do something, that that nicety isn't really necessarily meaning anything. It's it's really just you making a commitment that you're not going to see through, you know? And and I think, you know, uh, someone once said to me, you shouldn't tell people, you should do this or you should do that. They should want to do it. Yeah. So at the end of the day, rather than someone saying, I should try to lose weight or I should give up coffee, you should probably want to start off with, I want to and I need to. Yeah. And I think once you come to terms with that and you have the emotional intelligence to understand the benefit and what the resistance you're going to face, most people don't think about the resistance. Most people think about goals from one set to the other, mm. but they don't really think about the journey to get there. Or what's going to happen when they struggle to get there and how are they going to manage that? And I think when you have that level of awareness, then you're present. And if you're present, then you're mindful. For sure. And like, it's, it's just really interesting hearing some of the things you're talking about because like the main reason behind me starting out the podcast was yes, interview people and get people on and whatever, whatever. But it's also, we're going to talk about some stuff and it's going to be a broad range of topics. And if you can come to your own conclusions by hearing what we're saying, yeah. That's that's great. I'm ne- you're never going to hear one of us, myself or a guest, come on here and be like, "You need to do this." Yeah, I was like that. People don't want to be told. No. It's like if you can come to your own conclusion, you've got a better chance of following through than someone going, 
you need to, or even yourself going, oh, I need to do this. Yeah, I think I think we come into an age now where people are more curious, and I think people want to be inspired and, and you know not to be told necessarily but i think i think part of it is also being accountable to yourself mm. you know and and that's something that um, many people struggle with and and you know whatever you know i sometimes associate the choice of acting based on what's holding you back what obstacles is, you know you're facing sometimes people have some sort of trauma that they haven't dealt with and it impacts other aspects of their life i see this in business all the time mm. you know um, i see this personally as well i've got friends who've had struggle with hoarding or like you know collecting things or not attending to certain areas in their life and that's just a ripple effect for something else that Mm. needs to be attended to you know we all have loved ones that struggle with certain areas and flaws but you know it, it really comes down to this if your heart's not feeling right in some way and you don't attend to those hard questions you're going to see the effect somewhere else. Mm. And I love the fact that it's already heading this direction yeah. because it's going to line up perfectly with these questions coming up. Excellent. Cool. Um, change of topic. All right. If you could interview one person, dead or alive, who would it be? Ooh. Um, you know, that's a good question. That's a really good question. Uh, that answer would change because mm-hmm. people people sort of uh, change as well, you know, and, and, and there's so many different elements right now. But, and maybe this is a bit too soon, but I would probably say that mostly from a storytelling perspective, I'd love to interview someone that's not here anymore Mm. uh, and ask them what they would do differently if they walked this planet again. Yeah. You know what I mean? So uh, I would say, you know, with recent events that just happened, you know, last week, uh, you know, a tragic sports star, Kobe Bryant, passed away. Uh, I'd love to go back and ask him simply, what would he do different? You know, it's funny. I got asked, Sam interviewed me at the last episode of last year. He's like, if you're going to interview one person, dead or alive, who would it be? And obviously at the time it was Kobe Bryant was still here. And I said, it'd have to be a sports star or a military style person because their mindset is very, very different. And I was like, you know what? I I think it'd have to be Kobe Bryant because... I, like I'm not a Lakers fan, and I've, I've said that before. Yeah. Um, but how he approached thing, like hearing him talk. Yeah. The drive and the mindset was oh, it was like it's just like oh. I want to work out why you're wired yeah. that way. It's so well, I, and I'm fascinated by strategy, and I'm fascinated by people who are disciplined to see a strategy. So I don't know if you've seen this clip, but it's the last game that Kobe played. Yep. And it's the last three minutes. Yeah. And they're down. Yeah, yeah. And he keeps throwing these three pointers, and and he, he ends up winning the game. Yeah, exactly. Drop sixty. It's sixty points. Yeah. And it watching him just like exhausted he's just like completely Mm. dead you know running around he's just out of air he's out of gas and the fans are going nuts and you see all these celebrities clapping and waving everything else and i was watching this and i'm like i've never seen this clip before and i was fascinated because i'm like imagine what this guy's going through right now it's his final game yep he could easily just throw in the towel he's done enough yep but just think about what the guy's going through mindset wise to see through and not just see the game through but excel when you can't give any more yeah so I, I i think that that mindset would be uh really really fascinating i'm also a person that's fascinated by strategy so i read a lot of books uh one of the books i just recently read is uh, a book by marcus aurelius he used to be a, a roman mm. philosopher and general and military strat- strategist so i probably want to get into the mindset of someone as strategic as him as to how does he 
think about concepts and his world philosophies if I had to go way back in time. Yeah. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think we all find inspiration and fascination from other people that have, you know, elevated their life and have this, like, large like large life perspective. Mm. Uh, but I think if, if you can find someone that can inspire you, then anyone's worth interviewing at that point. Exactly. Um, here we are. <laughs> all right. There you go. Um, what does the average day for someone in your position look like? We kind of touched on it. Right. We wear a lot of hats. What does the average day look like? Um, you know, I I would say that it's it's evolving and it's constantly changing. And there's a lot of changes in my life right now. But, you know, I, I spend a lot of time working. Yep. And, and so my work involves people, strategy, phone calls, meetings, speaking, and that changes from day to day. But for me, I would say that what I look forward to is the time in between yeah. and the choices I make to have a healthier day. So so rather than boring you with what normal people would do on an eight hour or 12 yep. hour day, I would say that my day involves sleep. Yep. Uh, my day involves time for myself, time for reflection. Uh, my day involves time to eat well, uh, take a couple of snack breaks. I love to walk. I mm. love to just like, you know, for me, I'm more creative when I'm walking. Yep. Um, and so I, I've, I've started to associate how to have a parallel universe between healthy choices and working um and that involves not just physical activity but more importantly time for your brain and time for your mind and so i would say my day involves a lot of things that slow me down yeah for a fast-paced working environment and that's such a i love that little flip that you put on it it's like i heard someone i forget who it was but you know in your social meeting and like there's you're meeting strangers and the first question is generally oh what do you do for work and someone said ask them what they do to make them that makes them happy yeah and like just that little flip and people go oh shit no one's really ever asked me that before yeah i mean let's be honest i think we and this is the concept of my ted talk you know i i i find that we live life by default many of us do mm. and there's nothing wrong with that but society has trained us to act a certain way to say things a certain way to eat a certain way so you know, and having traveled around the world, you can see it based on, you know, different parts of the world. You go to a restaurant in the U.S. and the portions are three times what the portions would be maybe somewhere in Africa or somewhere in Asia. You mm. know? So I think I think we are constantly being dictated by lifestyles and choices. So we have this default lifestyle. And so, you know, to design your life and to live life by design is something that's a bit of a foreign concept for people. And people are like, well, how do you do that when you work at a place that you hate? Well, that's based on your perspective, mm. but it's also based on the accountability and the choices you make. Mm. If you don't like it, change it, right? And so, you know, we have to get out of the comfort zone. We have to get out of this sort of like, if this happens, then this is going to happen. If you're constantly going to chase that happiness, you're not going to find it. Yeah, and it's... It's. I am one of those people that puts it simply, certain to certain the certain extent. Yeah. And it's like, okay, cool. You you're not happy. Why aren't you happy? Oh, work's shit. It's like, okay, cool. Why don't you try and look for another job? Yeah. And it's like the excuse that gets thrown straight oh, yeah. back. It's like, oh yeah. no, but like, yeah. I haven't got the time to look for another yeah. job, or I'm, yeah. uh, I've been working this job for so long. Yeah. Or you know, it's like, the, okay, cool. The best the best advice someone ever gave me, one of my mentors gave me, is all excuses are equal. Mm. You know, and and it's really insightful when you hear that because, you know, and and you know, not not to leverage on on a recent event, but Sunday's events taught us one thing: 
nobody knows when our time's up. Mm. You could be making millions. You could be the, the best of you know health. You could be set for life, and it could all go in a flash mm. you know and and there's there's two things that's imminent death and taxes yeah for sure so so i would hate to live life knowing that there's so much that i could experience that i held myself back from yeah you know and i think i think we talk about awareness we talk about mindfulness i think being aware of where you are now and what you want and then finding a way to get it that's something that's owed to you by you mm. that's something that you owe to yourself and i think that when you make those personal choices and you take that risk and you decide to want to pursue something, then then you can't really say I failed at that point yeah. because you've given it a shot, right? But yeah, you're right. I hear people giving me excuses all the time and it's not just on health. It's even in business. You know, I'll go into meetings and go, why do we do this certain things this way? And no one can give me a positive reason why. Mm. So why don't we change it? But then we, you know, we come, we come to life from a place of fear or love. That's typically what drives us. Yeah, okay. So if I find someone giving me a lot of excuses, all I'm hearing is fear. Yeah. And if I find someone that agrees and says, look, I probably need to change, and here's where I think I'm struggling with, then that person's coming from a place of love. Yeah, okay. You know what I mean? So, you know, I wrote this in my book as well. You know, it was one of the biggest findings in 2019 is what drives you, what triggers you. Mm. And, and and I think really it's dictated to fear or love. Mm. And I, f I feel like, well, especially coming from my profession, the amount of, I'm not going to say self-sacrifice, but it's like the amount of negative choices made for oneself yeah. because I've got to get work done or I've got to drop the kids here or I've got to do this. And it's like, you're, I always said, like, one thing I like to come back to is if you wrote down your priorities, top five priorities, yeah. where does your health and well-being sit on that list? Yeah. And can you honestly answer that? And if they go, oh, yeah, that's number one or number two or whatever, it's like, okay, explain to me how that, yeah. you know, go from there. Yeah. And so many people, like, when you have to go black and white, write it down, they go, oh, there's this, and then there's this, and then there's this. And it's like, yeah. oh, here you wrote the answers down. Yeah, and, and sometimes, you know, if you dig a little deeper, you know, they, they say that success leaves clues, mm. right? But so does failure. And and what I find is is that when someone's struggling in an aspect in their life, um, it's almost a ripple effect for something else. So let's I'll give you two examples. Um, I come into this workplace with a professional that needs some mentoring, and I find out that it's very defensive. So we try to peel the onion a little bit and find out why he's defensive in the workplace. All these different excuses, you know, this person did that, that person did that. And after digging a little deeper, what we found out was he didn't have the best of childhoods and his dad invalidated him for a very long time. And that played into every other aspect in his life, relationships, work, meetings, you know, his career. So something from from a pre-existing stage in his life has now dominated how he acts you know got another example got a guy that basically wants to lose weight you know seeing me lose all this weight and he just had a conversation with me and said you know what happened how did it change and so i said to him you know i flipped it on him and i said okay you're one of the most ambitious people i know everything you've done has been gold why don't you want to go to the gym why don't you want to go work out why don't you want to do these things that you say you want to do and so we dig a little deeper, and it has nothing to do with choices. It has to do with fear. 
you know, his fear of being accepted. He's like, you know, I don't go to a pool because I've got body images. I don't go to a gym because I was laughed at as a kid. So I'm scared that people are going to laugh because I don't know how to use this equipment. Mm. You know what I mean? So you, at the end of the day, if people have fears, are they addressing those fears or are they attending to the problems that they have in their lives? Mm. And I think you have to first to attend to the fears before you can actually worry about everything else. Yeah, cool. You know? um, that beautifully ties into the last question in this first little run. Sure. Uh, what is one simple message that everyday people in everyday lives can apply to what they're doing that will affect them in a positive way? I think I'll tie this back to asking a very important question to yourself. Not to me, not to anyone else, not to your friends or family. Um, are you simply living life by design or is your life default? I think that's an important question because it stumbles people. You mm. know, I did this TED, TEDx talk in 2016 and i've had over 600,000 views on this video and that one statement most people live life by default as opposed to design really resonates with a lot of people mm. um so you know i think that for me it's not really a statement but it's a question you mm. know so i think everybody should ask themselves this question when they go home when they're done their work week when they go to bed did i live my day by design or did i just run through it yeah okay i like it i really like it yeah um cool first 10 questions in the bag <laughs> so it was a bit of a mix and match we got yeah. deeper as we went on um so i want to get into more of what you do sure in not day to day but in your career and we're going to list off a couple of things sure and then you're going to tell me what i've missed okay okay so first one on the list motivational speaker yes so best way of describing it speaker strategist storyteller Tick, tick, tick. Um, They're my so, first three. Beautiful. Yeah. So basically, I speak, I consult on people's digital strategy, but my purpose professionally is to empower brands digitally. Mm -hmm. And most of the time, I'd like to think that I'm leaving people better than I found them. So, yeah. Okay. So, so really, you know, everybody. Uh, that I work with, whether they're a personal brand or business or corporate organization, they typically need a digital footprint and a plan. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of like optimizing one's health routine. They come to you for a strategy and, a, yep. and you design them a strategy for them to live a better life. Yep. I basically do that in the digital realm. So so that's really how I got into it. Mm -hmm. uh, then I started, um, I don't know if you've ever known the requisites for a TEDx talk, but they have some really high standards okay. to accept a speaker. Yep. So I tried a couple of times to apply for this TEDx talk. I tried every digital topic you could think of, and uh, they, you know, they, they didn't really, they weren't really buying into it. So I mm. had to go outside my my norm. Mm. And so I did a talk on how to live life with purpose and alignment. Nothing to do with digital marketing, mm. but everything to do with digital marketing. Yeah, if that makes yeah. any sense. Um, and and they preferred that talk. And so now I sort of do a lot of mentoring, life mentoring as well, and, and work with people um, in different aspects because a life optimization also has a strong parallel analysis to performance analysis as mm -hmm. well. So if, if, you, if you're thinking in the right capacity, you're performing in the right capacity as well. So does some of your digital strategy obviously involve the social media aspect of yeah, so, things that you do or yeah so so um a digital strategy has different dimensions you've got you know a people dimension you've got a, a communication dimension you've got a marketing dimension you've got a platform dimension you know mm. so that so the digitally a traditional digital strategy has eight dimensions now i have a, a 12 dimension and now it's a 16 dimensional sort of play where there's 16 different areas in a business including 
the people that work for your business and how do you build a sustainable environment, how that's important to a business. Yeah. So, you know, most of the people that work with me work with me for anywhere from two to five to 10 years. My longest contract has been 11 years that okay, I just well. finished up in Canada. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so I've, I've had the ability to, to work with bigger organizations and small organizations as well. But the concepts and the novelty of it is almost the same. You know, mm. you, you use the same strategy if you were a small business owner or yep. if you were a corporate business owner. Yeah, okay. You know? So, okay, straight, straight away we go motivational speaker, storyteller, digital strategist. You work in social media marketing as well. Then you've done your TEDx talk. What else have I missed? I've got a book on the way. Okay, cool. So yep. I, uh, uh, 2018, we I basically wrote a 72,000-word book. Mm-hmm. It's going to be called Immigrant Hustle. Yeah, okay. And I've got two more books to follow up, Rhythm and Growth, yep. which basically are a trilogy for these three books. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not really just a business book. It's got an immigrant story for every single chapter yep. in my life, everything from the crazy stuff that I've seen in Tanzania yep. to me being held at gunpoint and how it correlates to a business lesson. So, um, you know, I'm really proud of the first book, 12 chapters, 72,000 words. We yeah, just got right. it edited. So yeah, cool. I'm actually looking for an Australian publisher. That's sort of the homework for February now yep. is to try to get the book published. Yep. But I think that's sort of the next thing on, on the horizon. But, mm. you know, I've got invites to do a TED Talk in Africa, I'm looking to do a TED Talk in Australia, TEDx Talk in Af- Australia as well. Um, and basically just do what most immigrants do. Get settled, you know. Live real, your life. Live your life, real estate, business, all yeah. of that. Relationship, everything. Hey, take it all off. Yeah. Um, that's a lot of hats to wear and that's a lot of moving parts, you know that's what right. I mean? Like, that's right. How did it, I don't want to say how did it start, but what, what came first? So, you know, I think everybody has a launch pad. Everyone has something that happens to them for them to pursue their dreams or choices. Yeah, you know, of Some people... You know, some people don't relate to my story because, you know, when you're born in the Western world or you're born in Australia, I'd like to think that your childhood hasn't been dealt with some crazy stuff. You know, living in Tanzania, there was a lot of crazy stuff going on. You know, I left Tanzania after the American embassy bombing. I passed the American embassy bombing a few minutes before it blew up on my way to school. Yeah, well. Uh, Tanzania was affected by the genocides in Rwanda and Burundi. So, you know, there's family that's volunteered at the refugee camps. So, you know, Tanzania is evolving, just like all the other African countries. But at the time when I was there, there was a lot of hardship. There was a lot of changes going on in the country. So that impacted my childhood. Mm. And, and so what age, like what age were we looking at around here? I was, so I was in Tanzania from zero to, eight, or one to 18. Yeah, so okay, I was cool. basically there for the first 18 years of my life. Yeah. Um, I moved to Canada at 19. Mm-hmm. And I think that was my first launch pad. You know, I there were sort of these moments of awareness where I felt like I was going to be feeling very guilty if I didn't take up this advantage of coming to a new country. Yeah. My parents had sacrificed a lot to, for me to come to Canada. So, you know, I wanted to be someone that did something with his life and, and actually felt like there was meaning for this move, mm. you know? Um, and so I think, I think there's launch pads and there's moments where you go, okay, I need to do something about this, right? So same thing with my health change. You know, I was, I was 320 pounds at my heaviest and it took sort of a health crisis for me to go, I need change. Mm. You know what I mean? So I think sometimes you're forced to want to change. Mm. Sometimes you're forced to, to chase your dreams. I think for me, it was just my background and my upbringing that sort of really impacted my choice for how I viewed what success should look like. Mm-hmm. I'm not, And I'm not saying that any other form of success is wrong. It's yeah. just that was just my conditioning. Yeah. What was the... like? Okay, County Canada, what was the first step? Like, how did, how was it, like, 
how did you get into the world of what you're into yeah. now? You know what I mean? Good question. I would say I'm the accidental hey. person. So I'll tell you I'll tell you three things that happen accidentally. I so, bought a scratchy. And <laughs> <laughs> so the first thing was I worked in a corporate environment and I worked there for five years and I was growing through the corporate ladders. I was taking on different positions. But like most corporate companies, you were doing so much but not paying, being paid enough. Mm. So I, I was like, you know, I'm getting a lot of experience. I put myself through school, but I just I don't feel like I'm going anywhere. So then I got recruited to work for uh, an online marketing company. And it just so happened that um, they were willing to teach you uh, while you work there. So that's when I learned about online marketing. And I kind of got this background in everything to do with online marketing. So for, for four years, I basically worked and studied. Mm. And that's how I learned how to build digital strategies and, and you know work with companies and everything else, which was sort of an accidental career choice yep the second thing was um they put me on the road to sell these seminar packages and it just so happened that the speaker had food poisoning so they had 300 people in edmonton the speaker couldn't speak and they had to either cancel the event or find a different solution and i just happened to see the slides and i said i'll do it Mm. so i went up on stage didn't know what i was doing i was basically just going off on what i had seen Mm. from you know the the seminars and as soon as i got up on stage this like fuel inside of me just lit up and i was like oh this is fun yeah yeah and i ended up selling like a few hundred thousand dollars worth of product that weekend and the ceo gave me a call and said how would you like to be a full-time speaker okay i was like uh sure so i ended up traveling to sydney i ended up traveling to the uk malaysia all over the u.s i did about 250 speaking events oh, in well. a span of three years mm. and uh and then the american recession hit yeah so so i i've learned a lot of my stuff through accidental events that just happened and I kind of fell into it. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, the TEDx talk really just came with me being consistent. And I just happened to know someone who organized the events, had a coffee with him. And uh, 200 applications later and 200 applicants later, I made it through the final round. Hey, cool. Yeah. Um, the evolution into what it is now, like you are your own brand. Yeah. As that was it just okay? I'm going to add this piece in, or I'm going to start looking at this, and then did it grow naturally, or did you like how did the evolution yeah. happen? You know what I mean? Well, I think, I think the right answer to this is it's a bit of both. Okay, because I think we all have a vision of where we want to go based on our inspirations and what we see, mm. but I think it's constantly evolving. And if you don't evolve, then you're not open to change, and you're not open to what might be current in the world. You okay. know, I remember when. MySpace was a big thing, and I thought, oh, MySpace is where I'm going to be having my business brand someday. And what song do I want and on my what, page? Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so I mean, things change. You know, technology changes, approaches changes, uh, platforms change, but the need and the vision of where you want to take your personal brand that that's based on your drive. Mm. So I always knew that I wanted to speak in front of people. I always knew that I wanted. I had a book in me, maybe a couple. Um, you know, I've, I've done some on-air personality work. I've done some podcasting and everything else. So I think as a personal brand, it's important to to diversify and yeah. to want to like try different things. I've got a question for you while we're answering this question. Go for too. It. Did you know you were going to do a podcast or did it just sort of morph? Um, the same way that I didn't fall into um, being a PT. Like I always, my story was I always knew I wanted to help people. I didn't know the avenue it was going to be. Um, always been in sport. Yeah. And where I was training, the guy goes, hey, if I put you through your courses, would you work for me? And I was like, ding, that's it. That was how I started in PT. Yeah. And then 
I was thinking about it and in these private, the private one-on-one sessions I have with people, it's like I'm trying to help them get healthy. And like I said to you, whether it's them having a little vent to me and me offering my two cents as a complete outsider and with their health like and well-being as the goal. Yeah. that Like as the goal. And I was doing that in sessions. I was like, yeah, cool, that's great. And then obviously podcasts being what they are, it's like this would be a great platform uh, to get messages across that people can just throw on and listen to. Yeah. And like I said to you earlier on, if one person listens to it and goes, that's right, that's, that's how I feel, great, unreal. You know what I mean? This could be a person I've never, ever met before in my life. Yeah. We get you on, you know, you're talking, someone, a few people hear what you're saying go, oh, that was... Like, I get it, you know what I mean? And I wanted to do that for myself and, like, other people locally as well. Yeah. So other trainers can come on and, like, share their story and people go, oh, like, the people that I've interviewed before, people are coming and going, oh, shit, I didn't know that so-and-so had that going on or had dealt with that. And it's like, yeah, exactly. Like, people people have stories and, like, you you go to different professions and we're trying to help you, but we also have our own, you know what I mean? So. Did I always know I was, knew I was going to do a podcast? No, but it relates back to why I started being a PT. And the, the thought I had before any of that, it's like, I want to help people. I just don't know what avenue yeah. that's going to be. And yeah. that's... that's Yeah, and, and we live in an age now where freedom of speech and expression and thought you know, can come in so many different platforms. For sure. Did I know that I wanted to write a book or a TED Talk when I was 19? Probably not. Oh, but I just happened to embrace technology and opportunities and... Mm. As much as I say no for a lot of things, I also say yes to things that I feel are important to me. Thanks, mate. And also, no. <laughs> and also, and also for 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 people that you know I align myself with. So yeah. at the end of the day, I think yeah, I would say didn't have a plan. Yep. I I had an idea. Yeah. And kind of let everything else soak in. That's it. Yeah. Have that idea. It's like, are you gonna? give it yeah. a crack or is it just going to be this idea yeah. that like you said before you're going to look back and go i wish i'd done yeah you know yeah. so and I, I i feel like if i'd gotten into admin i would be hating it yeah you know like just my personality and doing what i do now like i can't yeah. see me doing anything else than what yeah. i'm doing yeah. now you know yeah and i think you know i mean you know what they need to do trend wise in this world especially when you talk about people who hate their jobs or people who work in administration you know, they have performance reviews. They mm. have all these things where you sit down and we go through this like, you know, bullshit meeting about what you should be doing for the company and how we can get you to improve. But the one thing they need to do is they need to basically have a, pur- a purpose review and go, hey, what are the pain points in your life? What are the things that you'd like to improve? And how can we as an employee or employer help you get there? Mm. Is it fitness? Is it, you know, is it mental well-being? You know, and I think that I think companies and workplaces need to evolve for sure and they need to have a better relationship with wellness practitioners because wellness now plays a huge role to impact the workforce and think about the effect of mental health in the past 20 years like in year 2000 who was talking about mental health no one no no one and i like saying what going off to what you just said there no matter what industry you're in if you find someone that is willing to take on board what you say yeah. and listen to either your problems or thoughts or whatever and help yeah. keep keep you moving on. Yeah. Great, you found a keeper. Yeah. If you've if you're in a role, this is my opinion, if you're in a role that every year they bump up your targets by ten percent and they keep you in the same work yeah. environment and your pay stays the same and your benefits this all that kind of stuff, they're just 
squeezing you dry. Yeah. Like they don't care about you. No, and, and, and today culture is based on how you make people feel, not what you tell them to do. Mm. You know, you could invest into these meaningless uh, meetings and Christmas parties where you spend all this money and, and, and waste on food. Or, hey, how about every Friday once a month we hire uh, these massage therapists will come in and give chair massages to the entire workforce because they've been sitting on the ass all day. You yeah. know what I mean? Or how about all of you have a group training session with a yoga instructor or, you know, have something that's based on wellness. Like if you show people you care, they will respond in kind. For sure. And yeah. if you keep crunching them away at work, they will hate the job. Yeah. But turn up because it pays the bills. Absolutely. Um, sticking with the, the corporate sector. Yeah. Do you do motivational speaking stuff in businesses or like, yeah. like does it happen that way or what's what's the I've been fortunate and blessed to do pretty much different types of things so I get pursued by conferences companies yep. uh, workshops so I do I do the three most common ones that I'm getting asked to do right now are uh, workshops uh, masterminds and conferences okay but it really it covers you know I've worked for Merck which is a big pharmaceutical pharmaceutical company they had over 300 people show up for their their team building event day and they had in, uh, motivational speakers come in mm. I've worked for companies that just want a specific topic in the digital sector and they, they asked me to kind of tie in the human element to it because again nobody really wants to watch a PowerPoint so most of my talks have a lot of video a lot yep. of sound um, and I tend to try to disrupt the audience while I'm speaking. So, yeah. you know, you can't really do that just speaking your own. You're the entire time it becomes a snooze fest. Mm. So I find that interactive engagement is sort of the big element that I'm known for. So I do a lot of storytelling in my talks. What is your goal? Like your specific, I don't, ignoring what the company wants. Yeah. What is your specific goal when you take on like a role or a contract like that? Mm -hmm. When you come in as a motivational talker or a storyteller, yeah. what, is, what is your goal when people leave that session? So, uh, like you, mm. I'm here to help people, yeah. um, and my purpose is to empower them and, and leave them better than I found them. So, it doesn't make a difference if you take one lesson or two lessons or a couple of lessons. If you can take a life application and apply it to your, to your work, your family, your life, your career, then I've done my job. And, and so, you know, someone once told me, try to create life applications for people. No matter, you know, even if they hate certain things or aren't adapted to a certain message if they can take one thing away then you've done your job as a speaker so yep. you know but but speaking is more than just telling people what to do speaking is about entertainment it's about creating emotions it's about creating moments of laughter tears joy all of that mm. so storytelling has become more creative a lot more demanding mm. and i think that in many ways we're not just speakers we're performers we put a lot of energy into it and when i'm off the stage even if it's a 15 minute talk if I don't feel that adrenaline rush, then yeah. I haven't done my job. Yeah. You know? And it's funny, like, the people I've had on the podcast, like, we get to the end of however long this, the session is, yeah. and the first thing I say was, oh, I hope it was good. Like, just that yeah. nervousness. Yeah, yeah, and I was yeah. like, it's fine. Like, yeah. trust me, it's, yeah. you know, yeah. Yeah. and you get to harness that energy, like. Yeah, yeah, it's collaboration, right? And, and sometimes it's also the trade of energy, right? I yeah. think that's the key part here is we're trading energy in everything we do. So, that energy has to be respectful. That energy has to be kind. That energy has to be, more importantly, uh, aligned. Mm. Uh, I feel like I know the answer to this, but I, I still want to ask it. Sure. When you come in to work with a business, are you giving them life lessons or perspective that they can apply to business, or are you giving them business principles that they can apply to life? Yeah, I think it's a bit of both, yeah, okay. actually. And, and so, you know, what drives the strategy is people. 
And so if you know how to work with the people and you mm. have the right people, then you end up setting yourself to optimize better for success. We mm. call this operational maturity. So I'm there to to improve a business operation. So, you know, let's let's use an example, for example. If someone comes to me and says, we could do better with our so- social media. Okay, what's your problem? Well, uh, it's too expensive. Well, that's not your problem. What is the problem? Uh, we don't have the right people. Well, how do you know? Well, the people that work for us don't do social media. Well, have you asked them? What do you mean? I said, well, how many of the people in your company actually are photographers? Well, we never asked them. How many of them write for a living? Net, don't know. Okay, well, have you taken the point to actually do this? So we did this exercise with the company, and we mm-hmm. basically had um, a, a situation where I interviewed every single person in the workforce and said, how could you contribute to, to our digital strategy? And we had people going, I'm a photographer, I'm a writer, I'm this, I love social media. So they ended up uh, finding four people who basically had a creative background, a writing background that basically worked in customer service, worked in sales, mm. and they were bored. So they increased the hourly, got them to basically take this initiative, and within three months, they had a consistent publishing schedule where these employees were basically telling the stories of the brand. Mm. So I think I think in that particular case, it's a bit of both business and 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 people. Mm. But operationally, there's you know, I think. If you can align the people who work for you, you can align a business operation. Yeah. Um, yeah, cool. I like that. Yeah. Uh, you kind of touched on it before, like obviously talking about balance and things like that. Where do you want to take your career from where you are now? You know, I mean, I'm in a new continent, right? So mm. I've, been, I've been I've been in Africa for 18 years. I've been in North America for 19 years and, and now I'm in Australia. So I think that, you know, I'd like to build a, a relationship with sort of the Australian side of the world. Mm. Uh, this is going to be home for me. So I'd like to sort of take my career that can work with businesses, corporations, and, and brands. But at the end of the day right now, I, I'm not thinking about what's uh, in front of me. I'm thinking about what's just ahead of me right yeah, now. Cool. You know what I mean? So yeah. I think it's important to to sort of embrace the next step instead of the entire trek. It's kind of like when people go on a walk and it's a 10K walk, you got to get through the first kilometer before you're worrying about the nine kilometer. Yeah. You know? Okay. So is the, um, is the end goal just to keep adding feathers to the hat and keep evolving what you do with the times or do you, do you have an end goal in sight or, you know, I mean, okay. So here's here. I'm in an interesting stage of my life. So, yeah. so a couple of years ago, I met Scooter Braun, who was the guy that found Justin Bieber. Yeah. And, uh, he happened to be at a conference that I was speaking at. And I sat back and I listened to his interview. And he said something that really changed my perspective on life. And he said, you know, when you get to the place where you want to get to, it's never what it is. It's never what you think it is. Mm. So someone had asked him, you know, what's next? And he said, honestly, I don't know. Mm. Because, you know, I didn't think my life would change when I discovered Justin and Carly Ray Jepsen and all these other talent. And he's like, I've got the money in the bank. I've done this. I've done that. And... I don't know what to do next. You know, it's kind of kind of take it as it comes. So I'm a person that's constantly creating goals for myself. And I'm one of those people that's obsessed with chasing those goals. Yeah. So I've written a book. I've done the TED Talk. I've done an online business. I've worked in different parts of the world. I've traveled around the world. I, I can't say that I haven't accomplished things that I'm content with. Mm. What I'm trying to do now is embrace being content mm. and going, what else is there for me to do? Yep. You know, and I think that that's... 
an important stage in your life. It's it's the same thing with you growing your business and your brand. Like, you know, you've hit certain milestones and checkpoints. Yep. Now you're sitting there going, what's next? Exactly. Yep. You know, you know it's funny. And let's just take everything that you've just said. Uh, there's a quote in, <laughs> this is going to sound funny. There's a quote in The Office. Yeah. And it's, I think it's the last episode of The Office. Yeah. And I love The Office. Yeah. Andy Bernard says it. And like it's meant to be the big emotional last episode. And he says, I wish you knew when you were in the good old days while they were happening. It's like, holy shit. Like, yeah, yeah, okay, it's a sitcom. But it's like, wow. Like that statement, what you just said, it all comes down to like just kind of stopping and smelling the roses and just absorbing everything that's going on. And I struggle with that big time because as you said, it's like, cool, what's next? Yeah, yeah. And, And, you know, sometimes we forget that there's, you know, the journey is more important than the outcome you know i just finished up an 11 year contract with a company in canada that you know was one of my biggest bread and butter clients and we've done so much we've you know built brands in different languages we've tested different technology but the most important memory that i'm going to actually take is in the last three years my buddy and i used to carpool to this company for like an hour yeah and we would laugh. We would listen to music. We would. It was almost like a brotherhood, and that was sort of my therapist, and that was sort of my sanity, you know, because it took me an hour to get to this office mm. and back, and that's what I take away from that eleven-year journey was the people that I got to meet from all walks of life and mm. and, and the uh, the fun moments. Right? We take that for granted sometimes. For sure. You know, it's the same thing with losing weight. I mean, I lost a hundred pounds, and I look back and go, "Yeah, I want to lose more." But what do I take the most out of that? You yeah. Know? And, and what do I, t- it, it, it's not the weight loss, it's the things I did and the things I learned to get there. It's it's funny, like I'm bad at reflection, like, because I'm always looking forward. My thing yeah. is, I'm not looking, well, look back, let's look yeah, forward. Yeah. And I we went to the gym, like one of my studios one day to pick up something, I don't know what it yeah. was, something meaningless. And Jen goes to me, she's like, you should be really proud of what you've done. And I was like, what? Not, I got a long way to go. Yeah, this is nothing. Yeah, and just that little like I caught myself saying it, and I was like, yeah. oh wow. I'd- yeah, I think, and I think I don't know if it's a gender thing, but I think men have a hard time complimenting themselves. I think we tend to chase these accolades, and you know, we chase all these different ambitions. But sometimes we just have this thing where we have a hard time just sitting there and going, "Okay, we've done something." Yeah. You know? So that it's important to take the time for that. And it's it's funny, I can take such a medial task, yeah. like mowing the yard. Yeah, I love mowing the yard because yeah. you get to stand back and go, look what I did. Yeah, I've grown a business for yeah. six, seven years. And I go, no, no, I've got more work to do. Yeah. Like, yeah. No, I, I've, I've learned to appreciate what's going on in my life. And one of my mentors basically gave me a really important lesson, and I do it every night. Um, in Japan, they call it hansai, which is introspection. Mm. And it's just two questions you ask yourself. And I think you're a guy, kind of guy that asks yourself this one question, mm. which is, what am I going to do better tomorrow? Yeah. That's you that's constantly chasing that For dream. Sure. But the one question that most people should ask themselves every evening is, what did I do of meaning today? Mm. You know. And I think if you ask yourself that question seven days in a row, all of a sudden your perspective and your light bulb changes. Yeah, exactly. You know? And it, yeah, you, you do... Even having that split second thought, it's like, what do I do in a day? It's like, okay, well, I see eight to 15 people a day and each individual I'm trying to help change their life. Yeah. You know, like, and to me, it's just like, cool, I'm knocking out sessions with people and we're like, yes, I'm helping them. And I say that stuff and cool, but you, yeah. yeah, 
don't take that second to yeah. breathe it all in, I guess. Uh, it's it's about finding the time and making the time. Mm. Finding is one thing, but making the time is another. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Um, we're kind of rolling into the next area yeah. as it is anyway, which is perfect. Uh, between my research and the notes that we've we've right. shared, uh, I've picked out a few phrases or messages, um, and I want you to elaborate um, because a lot of the things, and we've, we kind of discussed this before, a lot of the things that we talk about, we share the same values uh, and we talk about the same things. Right. So I've just picked out a couple of things and I want you to elaborate sure. and just Hit lay me. it on me. Yep. All right. First one I've got is you talk about fueling your why. Right. So for me, uh, why is purpose. Yep. And when I talk about purpose, I'm talking about what drives you, what motivates you, and is everything you're doing driving to your why? Um, <clears throat> because as I said earlier, most people live life by default. So if you are doing a job that has nothing to do with your passion if you're you know living life every day but it's just like monday doesn't differentiate itself from tuesday or friday if if you're feeling isolated and you're doing things that don't really fuel you then is that a life worth living Mm. and i think that um for me i've found through my experience in work and speaking around the world that people do better when they know better so do you, know, do you know what you're doing and why you're doing it? And so for me, fueling your why really ignites an inner passion. And, it, and it's something that really, I think for me personally, when I look from the outside in, you're doing your why right now. Mm. Uh, and it's something that you're passionate about. For sure. So if you've discovered your purpose and you get to live that, is it really a job every day? That, that's the hardest thing about my job is the early morning alarm. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Or you running on a hot day, not having enough water and wishing you you went for a run early in the morning yeah. I saw that why would i do that <laughs> crazy yeah exactly Life lessons, yeah. yeah um next one i've got here which relates to fueling your why what is the key to living life with purpose good question um i think it is making a contract with yourself okay so there's different you know things like building a rhythm and introspecting and having values and a purpose but the most important thing is teaching people how to treat you but more importantly, teaching yourself how to treat you. You know, so we sign contracts every day. We sign contracts for phone bills. We sign contracts for houses and mortgages. The one contract we tend to overlook is the contract with ourselves. So, you know, what does your life look like? What's more important to you 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 40 years from now? Are you, you know, borderline diabetic? Do you have blood pressure issues? Do you want to be, uh, you want to have a life 10 years from now dictated by medical expenditures and, and medical problems? Do you come from a family that has blood pressure issues? You know what I mean? So I think all of those things are choices and it comes down to accountability. So for me, it's being accountable with yourself. That's what life of purpose is. Um, Barriers, restrictions, um, default settings. Yes. I call it the bullshit meter. Yep. So we all have a bullshit meter. We all do. And I think some of us will admit it. Some of us won't. I went through it when I first started trying to lose weight. And I was coming up with every single excuse in the book to giving up. So we all have that. But having a bullshit meter in moderation is important. But when you can't moderate and it's constantly high you are basically living a life with, you know, you're not living a limitless life. You're living a life with a lot of restrictions and a lot of limits. So for me, barriers is, is basically a safety net and a comfort zone. So I think that in work we have it, in personal lives we have it as well. So when you overcome the barriers, you're basically 
overcoming your bullshit meter and mm. now you're ready to take that energy and act on it does that have a direct relation to your fear and love uh spectrum 100 percent, 100 percent. i mean and and look i don't i don't preach this because i read it in a book i don't preach it because i've studied this in a classroom or a digital program or a night school or university um these are things that have happened in my own life. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a lot of the things I talk about today have been from my own adversities, my own struggle with weight loss and, uh, you know, body imaging and confidence and all these different things. And and so uh, I can only speak from what I felt. Yeah. Um, and so I, I've, I've evolved as a person. You know, I, I've, I would say I've embraced vulnerability and still have room to do more. Um, I don't think I'm in the most optimal place in my life, but I've certainly made a conscious effort to get there. Yeah. So, so I think that that you know, at the end of the day, um, what makes people experts? I think it's just life experiences. Would you say fear is the biggest restriction on people's well-being? Fear and 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 again, fear associates itself to so many concepts: yeah. trauma, upbringing, childhood. I think I think fear comes to your origin story. You know, yeah. I talk a lot about this. Like, what is your origin story? What drives you? Mm. You know, I. I I was like in my TED talk, I talk about how I was fueled as an entrepreneur. And, and, you know, some people are fueled by a dad that has a successful business or a mom that is career oriented. For me, my origin story was based out of fear. Mm. So I was six years old in Tanzania and, you know, I, I, I was getting ready to go to school and I hear this um, <clears throat> sound outside and I go outside and I see this man being beaten to death because he basically uh, had done something wrong. So you see this mob justice, there's no filters, it's not a movie. My dad realized, okay, my son's six years old, he shouldn't be witnessing this. So he comes and grabs me. And so I asked my dad one very important question. I go, what did this guy do? What was his crime? You know, like I didn't know what was going on. Mm. And my dad just said his crime was hunger. I didn't realize what that meant at the time. Yeah. But that was what fueled me as an entrepreneur for, for a long period of time. So for the longest period of time, I, I associated failure to being hungry yep. and you know not wanting to steal or ever be caught stealing. Mm. So you know that was my origin story. And everybody has a different origin story. Some of it is tragic, some of it is funny. You know, your origin story could be the amazing times you had with your family at a pool, you know? Mm. Like anybody could have an origin story that could be positive or negative. So I think fear has a lot to do with it, mm. but it's associated to so many different concepts. Another reasoning question, sure. would it be like I'm just trying to think now. Yeah. Is it people's default setting and just it is what it is today? Like routine? Are, yeah, are people I, a sucker for pe- that? People are okay. So people settle. Yeah. Right. Okay. We settle. Like I mean, how many friends and family do you know that just li- choose to live life blindly? Yeah. Right. You, you go to the same Christmas parties, the same you know family gatherings. You hear the same intentions, the same goals. Yeah. And nothing changes. The definition of insanity is you doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. Yeah. Right. So I think that for me personally, I feel like you know we're we're in a in a moment in time where we're creatures of habit. And it's breaking the habits that give us high performance values Mm. if the habits are destructive. So here's a great example. And I know this because I was addicted to this. So when I was younger, I used to be addicted to pop. And I used to play soccer. But then rather than drinking water, we were told, go have a Coca-Cola. Yeah, yeah. Right? So then when I got to Canada, my intake for Coca-Cola or like Fanta or all these different drinks was like two liter bottles. Mm. You know what a two liter bottle of sugar does to you every single day? (laughs) Yes. Right? Or, you know... 
we go drinking and you'd pound 12 beers or 14 beers. Mm. You don't need 14 beers, but what does that do to you, yeah. right? So at the end of the day, I think that we live this life of routine. And if we're aware and conscious of what we're doing that's positive and destructive, then we're in a better position to make a change. Yeah. Most people are aware of it, but just don't want to do anything about it. Yeah. So step one, would you say is assessment? Yeah. And then what would your step two be? My, uh, so if I, let's, let's use life applications here. Let's just, let's look at, let's say weight loss. Yep. Um, okay. So you've got a problem. You want to change. You take an assessment. You realize, okay, these are all my destructive habits. Mm. Okay. What can I do to start making those changes? And most of the time it's taking that first step, then taking the next step. I was avoiding using a foam roller for a few weeks because I've got like crappy pain right now in my adductors and my adductors. And all all it had to do was start with one thing, mm. you know? And so I couldn't count the pain a few days ago. So I'm like, that's it. I'm just going to try it. So I started off with the tennis ball. Then I tried the foam roller and I'm like, okay, this hurts, but I feel a lot better. But most of the time it's just taking that first step. Yep. Right? So I think before you act, you want to assess then you want to act. And, you know, for me, I don't believe in resolutions. I really don't because mm. resolutions are what people say to themselves to make themselves feel good, mostly around the holidays. Yeah. Right? I think every day should be a commitment, not a resolution. Yeah, it's, I don't, resolutions aren't for me. I have yearly goals, yeah. but that's just the way yeah. I'm wired. Like, I yeah. want to be working towards something. And obviously, as you would know, you when especially business related, like, yeah, if you're not working towards something, you, you just can't, what are you doing? Yeah. And and so for me, I think, I call it the three R's. I call it reinvention. I call it uh, resilience and rhythm, mm. right? So assessing yourself because you want to reinvent yourself. Uh, having the resilience when times are tough is important. And then building a routine through rhythm. Those are the sort of the three areas that I would say is needed to make change. Yeah. Uh, the last little phrase i've grabbed from your notes was taking the mask off and living our truth yes explain all right so uh, in a society of default words and in a society of of pressure and clutter we get stuck by routine words we get stuck by these default statements you probably know one right now mm. i'm fine yep right how many times do you get asked this how are you doing and the first answer that comes out of your mouth is i'm fine yeah right if you're feeling freaked out, if you're feeling insecure, if you're feeling neurotic, if you're feeling emotional, say that, mm. you know, maybe they should start saying, what are you struggling with today? Rather than how are you doing? It's funny. Every time someone walks in the studio, it's like, hey, how you doing? It's the first thing I say. And then the second question I say is, how are you? Yeah. So like, yeah, the, the first, like say it once is like yeah. a greeting. Yeah. And it's like, you gotta ask it again. Yeah. And then you'll maybe get an answer out of right. it. Right. And so, you know we have again coming from a place of fear we have all these fears of being judged we have this fear of is it too much information is it you know but sometimes we just need to tell people hey this is what i'm struggling with or this is what i'm going through today these are my thoughts and i think we need to get better at asking for help for sure as opposed to just wearing the masks and so for me wearing a mask is is having all these layers of you know mental and emotional 
insecurity and it mostly comes from fear mm. and i think when you break that off and you go okay well i don't know everything i'm struggling here or i could do this better or i could you know try this differently i think when you come from that place and you have those conversations of meaning and authenticity uh, authentic natures then you basically have this ability to go okay this is my true self mm. um, and i think we show that but we don't show it enough yeah i just want to bounce back to um going back to our motivational talking and yeah. things like that when you're piecing things together do you purposely set out messages that you want to let sink in or do you put messages in there and like let people gravitate towards their own um, conclusions think, yeah so i think i think it's a bit of both so i my role is to trigger an emotion because mm. at the end of the day triggers are what makes you either want to act or makes you want to run away and and i am i am a prick for emotion and what that means is is i'm constantly making that like you know yep. sort of like poking poking you've, you've got to yeah because you're not going to get through a wall otherwise you're not going to get through a mask otherwise so i like to ask hard questions i like to i like to um you know i like to go beyond just the the, the norm so you know i'll give you a great example i have a buddy of mine who's a speaker and he posted something on facebook and I read it and I was like, the perception here is that this guy's being an arrogant prick. So mm. I called him up and I said, listen, man, I said, I've just got a question. What was the intention of this post? Because it looked like you were calling people out. And he goes, no, that's not what it was, mate. And he explained to me what was going on. And then I was like, okay, I'm glad I asked before I perceived that yeah. because I probably would have had a different perception. It was both an awareness moment for both of us. One for me realizing it wasn't him calling us out. He had a different agenda. Mm. But more importantly, he realized sometimes texts can bring just one tonality when it could mean so many other things. Mm. It's the person's views when who exactly, reads it. Exactly. So for me, I would say there's a level of honesty in all my statements, mm. but it's designed to create an emotion. When you say something like embrace the suck, like planning for like in the realms of preparing for failure yeah what, what do you what do we get in that with that all right so i'm going to give you a great example yep. so i was uh we're going back a couple of years now i was just about close to my 30s and i was you know i was i was not in the best place in my life mm -hmm. so i basically was 320 pounds and uh, i had gotten out of a, a stressful relationship and because that relationship was stressful at the time, I was more focused on that person than myself. So mm. I kind of let myself go. So my sister was getting married and I ended up having, you know, like a, an episode where I was like, my blood sugar was really high. I was feeling a lot of pain. You know, I was a bigger size. My waistline was a lot higher and I just wasn't healthy. So I talked to a buddy of mine and he said to me, he said, listen, man, he's like, because I went up to him and I said, look, man, I'm struggling. I, I, I know I got to make some changes. I don't know where to start. So he said, listen, he said, I'm going to give you some advice. He's like, you go to a gym today, you are going to run away. And I said, why? And he said, well, because they're not designed for you. You've got all these different issues. You've got insecurity. You've got habit issues, all these things. But there's a lot of changes that you got to do, but you got to do them in proportion. So he said, if I were you, I would just start walking and not just like walking slow like go for long walks mm. and he's like i'm gonna tell you something you're gonna hate it for the first three weeks Your feet and knees are gonna right. hurt so this is the embrace the suck part this is the key part so he explained to me what i was gonna hate he explained mm. to me he said okay this is what you're gonna feel like you're gonna want to kill people you're going to be on this walk grumpy as hell and because you're a big guy you're gonna look like a bear that's about to eat someone yeah i started laughing we had a conversation and he said your your legs are gonna burn everything's gonna hurt 
But I promise you, if you do it for seven to 14 days, by the time you get to the second week, you're going to start to like the pain. So I tried it. And within the first week, uh, everything he described and more just hurt. It sucked. Mm. Second week got a little bit better. By the time I got to the third week, the suck started to be something I was addicted to, the adrenaline. You know, I felt, started feeling great after a longer walk. And then I started pushing myself from one kilometer to two kilometers. In the end, I started doing 10 kilometers. Within that first six months, I did a the Sun Run, which is a 10-kilometer marathon. And I basically ran and walked the whole thing. Yep. I did it in about, I would say, 75 minutes. Yep. Uh, average time was about an hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I felt great, you know, but... You got to know those moments when it's going to suck and you got to find a way to fight through it. So if you've got issues with candy, for example, or sugar, you're going to have those moments when you are going to be craving candy or sugar or whatever it is. And most likely it's going to be at nighttime. Mm. So how do you find a healthy replacement? How do you get a natural sugar source when you're craving that high? You know, if if you're a guy that loves beers... Mm. How do you build moderation into it when you want to have seven beers with your mates? Yeah. You know what I mean? So knowing what your points of failure are and building a plan for it, that's embracing the suck because it's going to suck anyways. You might as well have a plan for it. It's funny. Like we can relate that right there to something you said the very, very start. It's like people talk about point A to point B, but there's this whole gray bit in the middle that doesn't get looked at. No. And it's like the first, well, coming from my industry, the first sign of hard work or hard times or my knees really sore, this is not for me. Yeah. And then fast forward six months later, you're back to square one, if not past that point, you know what I mean? Yeah. So no one being aware and, 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 you know, and I think that comes from a bit of mentorship. I think, you know, when people say to me, what should wellness practitioners do? Mm. I think it's, it goes beyond the relationship of you know, designing health plans for people and teaching them how to do a certain workout routine. Mm. I think it's about caring for them and it's about going, hey, listen, you're going to have pain. Here's what I'd recommend you do. Yeah. You know, here's what I recommend you do when you get home, you know, like having that sort of that aftercare plan so that you can get from point A to point B. Yeah. And taking people on that journey is so important. For sure. You know, so important. Want to touch on mental health. Yes. So we mentioned that is such a broad range of things that we could talk about, plus it's much more prevalent now. It's very easy for someone to say, it's easy, just do this. For someone who is very negatively wired, how can, what simple things, not, not, let's not tell them what they, what they should do, right, like right. what simple things or mindset changes should they be looking at not necessarily they they should do but what things should they be looking at doing for someone who's struggling with negativity yeah i think i think the first part is having that really harsh conversation mm-hmm. and and see i'm i'm like you i like to like rip the bandaid off yeah, yeah you know there's no such thing as hey let's take it one step at a time so i think the most important thing is is to to have that conversation in the mirror and go where am I and who am I becoming and what do I want to do differently? Because I think in order for action to be inspired, there's got to be a want, there's got to be a need for it. And it has to typically come from that person. Mm. So I think I think the first step is having that conversation with yourself and, and maybe even writing down what your contract is, what yep. you're willing to do and what you're not willing to do. Mm. But the most important thing is building milestones and checkpoints. Yep. So, okay, you know, for me... I wanted to lose weight and I wanted to live a better lifestyle. So I was like, okay, there's certain things I need to do. And so I did seven things 
to get to that overall goal. So, and I can list them down for you. The first thing was drink more water. Mm -hmm. So hydration was a big one. Sleep was another good one. Walking was a very important one. Cutting down liquid sugars, you know, like having more uh, healthy sources of sugar, cutting down the juices and the beers Mm. and all the other stuff. So that was another big one. Having a vegetarian diet was important for me as well. Um, And then I also had the cutting down of of the meat, like not completely, but just everything in moderation for sure and then the most important thing was getting rid of toxic relationships and negativity around me because that fueled all the other ones Mm. then you know i found myself going okay these are the seven things that i planned for but now i'm going to take that yoga class because i feel like i want to do it yeah i'm curious about it oh i'm going to try spin class i tried spin class never again never again But that's not for me, you know yeah. what I mean? But here's the thing. I used to play soccer, so I still, you know, I like to go play kick, kick football around and go to the park. And, mm. and, you know, my endurance for that still is still there. I have the worst knees in the world mm. now, but I still love to play soccer. Yeah. So, so what I found was is the more things I tried, the better I got at being curious. Yeah. So in order for people to be curious, they got to have some milestones and checkpoints. Yeah. So writing the the miniature goals and writing the miniature checkpoints are so important to get to the big goal. Mm. So that's what I think someone should do if they're struggling with negativity is try things. I want to ask a question now, and this some people may hear the question and go, oh, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Yeah. But I, I ask this question purely out of a place of curiosity. Sure. For someone who is in a negative mindset about work or themselves or body image or their their life situation right do you think there is a little bit of the negative mindset is an easy default mindset for them oh 100 it's a safety net it's, yeah. it's a safety net because that's all they're used to they don't know different mm-hmm. but i'm gonna i'm gonna answer that question with another question mm-hmm. So if someone's suffering from negativity and, and it's someone that we know or we love or we care about, what are we doing to support them? Yeah. You know, that's that's a huge thing. You know, like when, you know, here's a great example. When I was moving, um, when I was moving from Canada to Australia, I spent some time with my folks. So I decided to go uh, hang out with my dad. Mm. And so I, I was staying downstairs for a few weeks and I saw these bottles of water being stored downstairs and i said to my dad i said dad why do we have water down here Mm. he says oh your mother decided to store them and i said why he's like oh just in case we have an earthquake and i looked at the water and this water's been here for three years Mm. right then i realized my my parents are either preppers or hoarders i couldn't tell yeah yeah. but my parents don't know how to organize closets and move stuff and Mm. get rid of stuff so i basically did that for them i said okay you know what i'm gonna help you guys here so we emptied out the garage. We emptied out the downstairs bedroom. Therapeutic. Therapeutic. You know yeah. what I mean? And so we purged. Yeah. Sometimes people just need support, mm. you know? And I think that I think that the most humbling question people around someone who's suffering negativity is, how can I help? Mm. You know, how can I help make your life better today? What are you struggling with? Do you need a hand? Mm. You know, what can I help you with? So I think... The support system is so important. But yeah, if they don't have someone just having those conversations with them, mm. they're not going to change or they're not going to want to change. Yeah. Right. So you the, the level of care and support has to balance the level of action. Yeah. The reason why, and you know, I, 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 I'll always recognize this gentleman. His name's Gonzalo. And he's a buddy of mine that basically gave me all his fitness tips at mm. the time when I got it from a buddy. Yeah. And, you know, he's 
gone on to do some successful things in his life. He has a successful ATV business in Mexico now, and um, and he he's a runner. So he does you know 15k runs, and and that's what he loves doing. Mm. And he, I remember him telling me, "Listen, just baby steps, baby steps." And and, and so. I'd go to him and go, you know, I tried this or I tried that. And you know what? You're right. And I tried this recipe and, you know, I cooked a, I cooked a lot more. So that support system was pivotal mm. for me to make those changes in life and for me to go, I want a better life. I want a better system. And so then from there, it came to relationships and friendships and loved ones and family that all were got behind me and said, you know, let's do this. You know, my mom just sent me like 20 recipes to try out. And you know what I mean? So I think it's important that you have a strong support system. For sure. And on that too, I can already hear the default response is, oh, I don't have anyone in that position. Yeah. And my response to that is, you would be surprised. You would be surprised at how many people around you actually care that much about your well-being. 100%. And if they're not, they shouldn't be around yeah. you anyway. And and my response to that is, I have two responses. One is, yeah, you're right. You'll be surprised. The second one is, find some. For sure. Right? Because at the end of the day, people love helping other people. Mm. You know, you find support in fitness groups. You find support in um, in meetups. You find support in, you know, the online community. You mm. know, they're, they're, people will always, last I checked, people will always help each other. For sure. You know, it's asking for help or knowing when it's time to ask for help or or just being real with yourself you know mm. but sometimes if it's a family or a loved one sometimes you need that sort of divine intervention yeah you know where it's like okay come over to help you yeah exactly <laughs> you know what i mean so i think it's a bit of a balance of both yeah i think that that that's key but i think i think people do well in a circle of love so if, mm. if you can surround them with love then yeah and again coming from a place of love that changes people it disarms people Mm. So I think that it's important it's important to to not only give that but express that for the ones like you know I look now at the time I had with my parents in the last few weeks I've been in Canada with them for 19 years it only took me the last year to go I'm going to help mom and dad with their place yeah. you know what I mean we neglect the people we love the most cuz we're busy chasing other things that aren't really that important in hindsight yeah um I want to kind of shift into more you yeah uh, we've spoken about the the in Tanzania. Tanzania, yeah, yeah, yeah cool. Like early ages, but yeah. you said you were there till eighteen. Yes. Okay. So, what was that like? Let's say ten to eighteen. What was that like for you, upbringing wise? Oh man, it was it was different. So, um, you know, we we the internet had just kind of started when I was fifteen, fourteen. Mm. You know, we had dial up and everything else. We didn't have the information that we have right now. So. Mm. I like to compare it to an Eastern world and a Western world. Now, that said, countries like Nairobi have the highest bandwidth for mobile transactions to date. You know what I mean? And mm. countries like Nigeria are some of the most technological countries in the world right now. That's but where the most princes are. Yeah, yeah. The most princes <laughs> and, and all these other perceptions, you yeah. know. But the bottom line is, is that, you know, when you think about it, I grew up in an era where, you know, we played outside and, you know, we played soccer. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and you come to Canada and technology is just growing at a rapid pace. So it was sort of an Eastern value versus a Western culture. Mm. But if we look from a, from a health perspective, there was not a lot of awareness back then. You know, like we come from a country of meat eaters and seafood eaters and, you know, eating in, in good, rich proportion. But also they cooked with a lot of spices and yeah. a lot of fresh food. And most of the food came from the ocean. So in Tanzania, we had so many power cuts. You can keep things in the freezer, you know. So 
every country had a different sort of outlay for me. I would say that I think I became more awakened and a lot more aware in Canada. And I think in Tanzania, I was more influenced on the, on the environment around me. Yeah, That's okay. the best way of explaining it. Yeah. Would you, like, you kind of talked about what not shaped you, but, you know, yeah. what 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 puts you on the path kind of thing a little bit from early age in Tanzania. Yeah. What shaped your mindset to, like, what you're doing now? What, how do like, is there any specific thing that you got into or is there any specific moments or period of time that shaped like I need to be glass half full or I need to be real with myself like yeah so you know I think I think I just got into a better relationship with myself you know going back into the contract with you know having a contract with yourself for me it was you know the the health change and Mm. and the the choice to, to start living a little bit better and making some proactive choices and stuff you know I don't get it right every day yep I'm I'm honest and conscious about that but I'm doing a lot better than I was where I was. So I think I think for me there was moments of going through those health crises and and having all that you know body weight and and not being happy with it. Going, I need a change. Yeah. And you know it's one thing for other people to tell you. Most most of the time, the people who love you the most will lecture you the most, and it doesn't really resonate with exactly. you. Exactly. Shut it's, up. It's it's only when you start to come to terms yeah. with it. So for me. It was, you know, me feeling like I was borderline diabetic and having like just these moments of really low blood sugar and mm. having these moments of having pain where I couldn't walk and feeling discomfort. And I'm like, if I don't change this and if I don't make those changes, I'm screwed. Yeah. So so for me, that was sort of the divine intervention with myself and my relationship with health improved. And that was in Canada because, mm. again, we're blessed to have all this information around us. You know, you can go to a library and have 10,000 books on how to have a better keto lifestyle or how to have a better nutritional lifestyle or how to work out. So, yeah. you know, but books in the world and the Internet won't change the fact that you need a better support system. And yeah. I think that's probably where you probably even find your biggest traction is that one on one sort of attention yeah where people trust in you and go hey man you know that actually worked you know for sure and it's uh like that little battle that i'm having that they don't know it's like i'm actually here to help like this is not i don't care about like your health and well-being is my number one concern because you come in here because you need help and that's what i'm here for that's this is what this relationship is yeah and so my relationship with myself, and I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to use an example here that includes you. Mm, so you my relationship here ch- has changed because I'm asking all the right questions. Mm. So I'm not afraid to ask questions. I'm not afraid to ask for help. But more importantly, I'm always feeling the knowledge. So great example. I love to walk. Mm. Um, I was wearing these Nikes. My heels were hurting. My knees were hurting. And I'm going, I think I'm wearing the wrong shoes. Mm. So you and I happened to be hanging out at, a, at, a, at an event and, and family event and we mm. ended up having a conversation and all of a sudden I'm like, okay, both both my, my body and my mindset is telling me that I probably need a new pair of shoes mm. or I probably need something. So I asked you, you know, a common question, what kind of footwear are you, are you wearing or what do you recommend, mm. right? And you're like, okay, we'll try the Mizunos. That's what I try. Yeah. So then you recommend going to the athlete's food. So that same weekend went to the athlete's food and basically uh, did a 3D dimension off my feet. And okay, I'm flat feet. And so the guy explains what's causing the pain and mm. everything else. And so he gives me a couple of options, try it out, go for a long walk. And I'm like, 
that works. Matt's right. This actually works. It feels lighter, but I still feel the protection. Mm. I feel great. Yeah. And I sent you text and said, hey, man, thanks for the recommendation. It actually works. Yeah, exactly. Right? So I think I think having that, that sort of curiosity, mm. that curiosity is important in life. And that's relating it once again to what I do. I say to people, like the more questions you ask, the more answers I can give. Yeah. If you're sitting there thinking about it in your head, like I do it myself all the time i'll be driving home i'll I, i'll drive home from here and be like oh, i wish i'd asked you know or i should have asked like yeah. in those relationships or like just ask yeah ask the question yeah. what's what's the worst case scenario most people forget it's a human to human interaction mm. right and again I, i'm going to say this over and over again is it coming from a place of fear or coming from a place of love mm. i think that's the big theme for today is really you know how do you how do you come from a place of love yeah when we circle back to okay let's the fear and love when, yeah. when we circle back to you at your worst yeah like the peak of shittiness yeah did you blink and you were there or yeah. did you feel it happening and, and were you just in that mind of okay i think i think there were moments of numbness i yeah. think there were moments of i need to change i want to change i just don't know how mm. uh, there were moments of i don't know what i'm doing mm. um there's all kinds of there's all kinds of you know questions but also validation right like like I would try things and then give up. And I was like, I'm not seeing the results I'm looking for. Mm. Um, but but then, you know, when I actually started asking the right questions and when people were actually giving me the things that sucked and going, hey, that's normal for you to feel like absolute crap after a crazy leg day workout, mm. you know, like when, when people start explaining things based on the experiences, I'm like, okay, some of it might not be for me, but there's a lot of really good wisdom here right yeah so i just started investing in myself you yeah know? And, boom and, and Fuck, i that, love that. that's the key element is 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 taking that awareness and going what am i going to do with it make mm. a contract with myself invest in myself i went and bought one of the most expensive beds i've ever owned in my the most expensive thing in my apartment in canada was my bed mm. and i've never had the best sleep in my life prior to this moment so you know i i had done a lot of research i talked to different people and it just seemed like the right thing to do. Mm. So, you know, you can't put a price tag on that. You can't put a price tag on health. And that's the thing, just quickly, there's two points yeah. on that. You say invest in yourself. It doesn't have to be a monetary no. investment. No. And that's where people go, oh, I can't afford that. Yeah. Like, there's so much that you can do that doesn't involve forking out money no. that will help yourself. Yeah. And, and, the sleep, the walks, know, the like the food intake. And the thing is, is, is you know, if, if you're in a position where you can afford the bad habits, mm. you know, the, the the lattes every morning. If you're in a position where you can afford things that, you know, you could make a sacrifice on, mm. you can make a change. And and if you can't be a person that can invest in something consistently, even if you did it once a month or you decided to invest in something that was really important to you, you know, um, I think at, at the end of the day, it's about learning and, and, and really wanting to make a change. Yeah. But, you know, some people are comfortable in being numb. Yeah. That's, that's a big thing right now you know in the theme of a lot of the speakers that we're talking about in the in the uh, you know motivational industry is there's a lot of people in this world that are comfortable being numb mm. and that's an addiction um going from back to a place of fear yes when you were trying to get over that peak of shittiness yeah how many times and i don't expect a, a number answer yeah, yeah how many times did you think about trying something or try something and go, nope, put that barrier up and go, no, nah, it's not going to work. I, I think you know the answer to this. It's it's often. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's every day. I mean, um, you know, 
even now, like, you know, there are things that, I, that I'm curious about. There are things that I, I want to try. There are things that I've given up on. We're evolving, right? Mm. Our identity is evolving. Um, I think what's improved is my self-talk. And, and so not only did I walk away with weight loss and all these other things, but most importantly, the contract with myself is the strongest it's ever been. My, mm. my self-talk is, is very important to me. So I think um, coming from a place of, of having a better relationship with yourself yeah. allows you to try so many different things. You know what I mean? Like right now, there are th- the things that I'm curious about, you know, health-wise, um, I'm curious about acupuncture. Yeah, you know what try I mean? it. A couple of my friends have given me great reviews. Some people said it's a pain in the, you know, yeah. it's literally a pain. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I'm curious about it. Uh, I'm doing some research and potentially going to have the courage to try that. You know what I mean? Uh, I'm curious about tattoos. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I have to find something that resonates with, with yeah. myself. You know what I mean? So so I'm asking a lot more questions, you know, and I'm, I'm not afraid to ask those questions. But yeah, there are moments, man, you know, back then when you were like, I want to try this, I want to try that. But then fear kicked in, yeah. you know, or not knowing. The worst thing you could do is act on tunnel vision or not knowing something. Mm. You know, knowledge is power. For sure. Uh, and just on your point there of asking questions, like when you go into acupuncture or yeah. kinesiology yeah. or physio or chiro or yeah. whatever it is, I say to people, go in with an open mind. Yeah. If you go in and say yes, you're going to get so much more out of it. Yeah. If you go in and go, this is rubbish. Yeah. What? This is stupid. Yeah. Then you're not going to like. You're already shutting yourself off yeah. from the benefits that could be there. Yeah. If it's not for you, don't do it again. Yeah. Who cares? Someone once said this to me the other day. He said, "You are your thoughts." Mm. The problem is, is our th- thoughts can be very dark. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we all have that, right? So yeah, self-talk is designed based on thinking capacity, right, and and outlook. But you know. I don't want to sound like that guy that has, oh, have a positive attitude and you're going to have a positive life. Mm. Listen, we all have been there. We've all been through struggles. We've mm. all been through, you know, the, the you know, the rocket uh, roller coaster ride of ups and downs. Mm. Here's my take on attitude. Yes, it's great. If you're positive, it's great to tackle everything, you know, in a good day with, mm. with, the, with the right mindset. What you need to prepare for is on the days when you don't have the right mindset and going back to the embrace the suck yeah like what's your plan or what's your solution on a bad day you know what's your solution on a day when your self-talk is just negative Mm. how do you talk yourself out of it you know if you're a person that doesn't want to do anything on the weekend and watch netflix what's your solution for that Mm. you know what happens when you're on the fifth episode off you know you on netflix and you got another five more episodes and you're like i haven't done anything this weekend yeah What's your plan? Yeah. Right? So you're going to have the bad days. You're going to have the days when things are going to be challenging. But I think being aware of that and making a plan for it is just as important. For sure. And on that too, if you have a bad day, that's what it is. It's a bad day. It's fine. Like yeah. tomorrow is a new day. And like yeah. I don't, same vein. I don't want to sound like the glass half full guy. Yeah. But so many times, if I can relate it to what I do, people have a shit day on the food. And then they go, well, there's no point in me trying now. Yeah, and it's yeah. like, oh, it's just yeah. a day. It's fine. Yeah, and and you know, going going on the nutrition side of things, I think I think having a relationship with with food is important, mm. but not just eating healthy. You know what? Cooking is important. Yeah, you know, I, I've been you know being in Australia, I've been cooking a lot more and and uh, trying all these dishes from back home in Africa that my mom and dad have been sharing recipes with, and you know, 
it's given me a passion for learning new things, but more importantly, I'm eating better because of it, right? So if if you are that person that can't live on a nutritional lifestyle, then learn how to cook healthy and yeah. learn how to cook better so that you are accountable for what you eat. People have a relationship with food that's probably not the healthiest. Some people look at it and go, this is just a means for me to survive. Mm. Others go, I love food. Mm. But if you're in between, you could still love food but eat healthy. Yeah, definitely. It's just a choice that you make. With your transformation, and I don't like using that word, but yeah. let's be honest, yeah. that's what it was. Yeah. Was the inspiration self-love? Was the inspiration health? Was it? What was the inspiration that you kept putting your shoes on and kept going for your walk, even though it felt like shit? Honestly, yeah. I felt like if I didn't make the change, mm. I'd be in a really bad place. Okay. So, so I think it came from a place of, going were you a gamer when you were a kid did you ever play yeah, yeah. super mario yeah remember when you warped into a level and you're like oh my god i'm in this like really terrible place and yeah, I yeah. get out of here yeah. that was me right? right i was like i'm down this rabbit hole i, I gotta change mm. you know i gotta change i don't have an option so for me no was not an option yeah. that's where that's how it started yeah then i went through another layer which was i'm starting to like this i'm starting to like the change mm. so then it became part of the lifestyle but then it just came from a place of love. Like, mm. you know, like, you know, why do I choose to invest in good running shoes or walking shoes? Why do I choose to go for a walk? Why mm. do I choose to eat more? It, it, it comes from a place of love. But at first, it's hard to love yourself when you're in that sort of like worst place you've ever been. Yeah. But you have to find love because you know that the more changes you make, you will get to the place you want to get to. Mm. So I think, I think, you know, the transformation, as you call it, really played a huge impact on confidence, self-talk, insight, awakening. I think there was awakening inside, but mm. it really came from a place of I had no other choice. Uh, oh, I just had a question then and I lost it. Damn it. Um, did you have your mask on or um, did you accept what was going on? I'm going to ask you for your opinion on this too because yeah. I'm going to relate it to, you know, you work with people that are going through transformations mm. as well. So... For me, and I don't know if it's the same for all all the people that come to you for for uh, training as well. But yeah. For me, I felt like the more I embraced myself and saw results, the more the mask just came off. Yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? After a while, it didn't really matter what I weighed. After a while, didn't you know? I, when when you go from a waistline of forty two to waistline of thirty four mm. within a span of like eight months, didn't really make a difference. Yeah. But there was moments along the way where I had these like reminders. So a great example is, I don't know if you've ever talked to someone who's fairly uh, overweight. Mm. They have a hard time going shopping. Yeah. Clothes shopping. Yeah. So unfortunately, if you walk into a store at a mall in Canada, most stores won't really attend to you if you're a bigger person. Mm. Right? Or you have to go to a certain store to get bigger clothes. So I started noticing that when I when I started losing all this weight and I walked into a store to start, you know, buying clothes for my TED Talk and all these different things, my TEDx talk, people were attending to me very differently. There mm. was there was no perception or anything. People were actually more friendlier. Now that's probably because they had clothes that fit my size, but more importantly, they acted differently. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I was starting to pay attention to the cues around me, starting to pay attention to how people reacted towards me or mm. what people said. And I noticed that sadly there is a stigma and sadly there is a lot of issues so how do you how do you manage that and how do you 
persevere through that. And really, it just comes down to surrounding yourself with people that care. Support network. There it is again. Support network. So I invested in a better support network to avoid those moments of I'm at a retail store that nobody really wants to help me in. I'm probably at the wrong store, you Mm. know. So I talked to a bunch of guys, and they're like, "Listen, for a guy that's losing weight, I recommend this store. They're super helpful. It caters to Mr. Big and Tall. It it creates to all those people." I went to that store and felt at home. Mm. And then I realized. I realized I had lost enough weight when they said to me, we don't have the big sizes anymore for hey. you. You need to go to another store. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I think there was a little bit of that going on. But to answer your question, I think the more I invested in myself, the more the mass came off. Yeah. And I don't know if it's the same with your clients when you work with your clients. Uh, so what I notice is the different people have different, we'll call them coping mechanisms. Yeah. There's the, the tongue-in-cheek self put downs yeah there's the because it's a comfort zone right exactly yeah, yeah. there's the oh i'm going i'm gonna yeah. the, the oh i need to yeah, those yeah. people yeah um next week will be different yeah uh or the oh how's your food yeah it's all right it's yeah. okay okay so you either don't want to tell yourself or you don't want to tell me yeah so I, there's there's different um different masks or different coping mechanisms that i see Week to week, month to month, year to year. Yeah. It depends on the people. Everyone's different, like yeah. we spoke about earlier. Um, my biggest success stories are the people that went, I'm doing this for me. Ha- hands down across the board. Yeah. The big, the biggest success stories I've ever had or the most successful clients that I've had on their journey, as much as I don't want to say yeah. that, have been the ones that are doing it for themselves. That yeah. it, It's not because, oh, you know, I'm, whatever, like... Yeah someone's telling me I need to lose weight or the doctor said they're there because they want to do it for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Making that conscious choice to prioritize that. Right? Exactly. And, and those, you know, it's the same thing with people that I've mentored and worked with and businesses that I've worked with. Most of the people that acknowledge that they need help and mm. most of the people that know that they need help and are willing to invest in that. Mm. Those are the people that go the furthest because they're the ones who are going to give it more than just the regular, you know, the, the, and, the problem is, and most sports athletes will tell you this, is there's a lot of people in this world that are okay with mediocrity. Mm. And there's nothing wrong with that. But sometimes you need more than mediocrity to see the success you're looking for. And trust the process. If after a week you haven't lost 10 kilos, if that's your goal, yeah. you've still got to put your shoes on yeah. because it doesn't happen in a week. Yeah. What I think what helped me was it wasn't a number goal. Yeah. It wasn't like I need to go from this waistline. It was just more I need a better lifestyle mm. and I need to make some positive changes. So at that point, if I lost five pounds or 20 pounds, didn't really make a difference every week because mm. I just knew that I was getting better. And I've, along that same vein, I've purposely taken the scales out of the gym. Oh, yeah, okay. That's interesting. I don't, yeah. My, my guides for people is tape measure yeah. and clothes yeah. and feel. I've got a question for you. Yeah. Do men shed weight faster than women do? Uh, apples and oranges. Okay. Apples and oranges. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah it, well, it all depends on people's lifestyle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if you take two, uh, two, a male and female who are same jobs, same stress levels, yeah. similar diets, and had them train the same, it'll hap- things will happen in different areas. Yeah. Obviously, Men with the hormones, building muscle becomes easier. Yeah. Uh, women will hold weight in different areas. Um, so it's, it is apples and oranges. Yeah. It, it all depends on the case. Yeah. But it's about feel. Fuck, you can weigh 120 kilos. If you're feeling good, yeah. 
and you like you feel comfortable in your own yeah. skin in a positive way, yeah. not accept, not settling for yeah. whatever and accepting it. If you feel positive and confident about yourself, sick. That's that. There you go. That's that's health. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but yeah, back to your question, male or female? Not really. Yeah. I couldn't really. I couldn't really specify yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, no. I yeah. was just curious because because uh, again, that's a question that I get asked all the yeah. time. Is is what do you expect when you make these changes? And I say it's it's for me personally, it would be different for for everybody else too. Yeah. Well, the common <laughs> the common complaints I get from both male and females is I want to lose from this area, and the area that they grab onto is always the area that typically males struggle with or typically females struggle right. with. Females grab their legs or hips and yeah. go, I want to lose off here. It's like that guess what that's where females hold their fat yeah that's life yeah. like you will sure you'll get we can make it leaner and more muscular but yeah from a size point of view yeah. you can't really change your frame astronomically yeah. if you're already a certain size yeah. guys are oh, i want to change my chest which sure that can happen yeah. but from weight and it's hips yeah. and that's where we hold our weight and yeah. yes once again we can change out like the the uh, the muscles and the fat around that to a certain extent, but genetic, yeah. not genetically, like our makeup, we hold weight in different areas. Right. Right. Um, yeah, and I think people just need to have guys and girls need to have better conversations about these things. You know what I mean? I think that's I think if there's one thing we could do better is for for a generation that has all this information, we're not having those conversations. Yeah, we're having the conversations with ourselves. Yeah, not with people that we should be having those conversations with exactly and i everyone i guarantee everyone i know yeah. everyone that i train yeah myself included my friendship group everyone will have their own physical insecurities about their own shit yeah and like something that matters so much to me about me is not even noticeable to other people yeah and the same can be said for other people and like you need you almost need someone to go you know that this is fine you know. It's going to be okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yep. uh, we are rolling into the final stages of our little chat, my friend. All right. A uh, couple of, I guess, deep enough questions. Sure. Where do you draw inspiration from, if anywhere? Um, you know, that's a, that's a good question. Mm. Um, I think I'm fortunate, and so, are, so is everyone around me, that the information's out there everywhere. Mm. You know, like from screens to books. I mean, you can just tell from the books that I have here mm. too. I, I read a lot. Mm. I, uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a fast learner, mm. and I tend to... I used to be that kid that could read a book once and pick things up really quick. It used yeah, to be okay. annoying. So, yeah, yeah. so I, I have a pretty strong intake on those things. Mm. So I would say inspiration used to be from resources and content yeah lately it's from conversations yeah cool so i i, f I tend to be asking people more questions mm. and i i get inspiration from listening more yeah so you know most people do a lot of the talking i tend to ask a question and ask why does that person feel that way mm. um and so you know for me the key thing that like let's use you and i for an example the one thing you said to me was when you wear these shoes, they make you feel lighter. Mm. 
And so for me, that told me, okay, that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for something that doesn't make me feel clunky, mm. especially in a continent that has such hot weather right for sure. now. Yeah. The last thing I want to feel like is I'm sweating while I'm having a walk. You yeah, know? Exactly. So, so then I asked you the next question is what kind of socks do you wear? You know what I mean? So mm. I think I think listening is important and asking the right questions. So a lot of my a lot of my inspiration right now just comes from conversations. Yeah. Does that translate into motivation from the answers? Or does that translate into you taking it on board, digesting, and turning it into your own motivation. Yeah. So, uh, someone asked me this other question the other day, which is similar to what you're asking. Mm. Um, how do I process information? Yeah. So, okay. so I'm a strategist by trade. Mm. So, a good business person is someone that can take the best of everything and try to find a way to apply it to themselves, whether it's their business, their personal life, or anything else. So. I don't know if it's a gift or if it's something that I'm really good at, but I tend to observe to what are the success meters and, mm. and I tend to gauge what makes something successful. And if I can apply it to myself, then yeah, 100% I'm going to adopt it. Yeah. So I think there's a little bit of curiosity, but there's also a little bit of analysis. So, you know, you, you might give me 20 tips and I go, five of them might not relate to me, but the other 15... 100 percent on board yeah. with you know so i'm not afraid to like i don't have a defense mechanism uh, it's not a competition for me it's not like hey this person you know even even for my role when people say to me what makes you stand out as a strategist the answer is i'm, I'm a better student and that's why i'm a good teacher mm. you know what i mean yeah in order for you to mentor you got to go through the cycle for sure so so i think that you know, uh, my listening skills, my analytical skills, my observation skills, I'm using all my sights and sounds to kind of go, this is what I'm coming up with and this is what I'm taking to mm. go, this is important. It's funny. My, uh, one of the things I've I've mentioned before on the podcast is purely about personal trainers. Yeah. And I am of the belief that if you are a personal trainer that thinks that you know everything about everything, yeah. Your head is so far up your own ass, you have no idea what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. Don't be afraid to train with other people yeah. or watch how other people yeah. work. And it's not like, oh, I'm going to steal that. Or if you yeah. do, who cares? That's a compliment. But yeah. like you're watching how people interact and like you go, oh, I didn't think about doing it that way. Yeah. Or watching a YouTube video and going, I'm going to try that and see yeah. how it feels. You know, yeah. like learning from experience or learning yeah. from others. Like you don't know everything about everything. No. And, and you know, at the end of the day, I'd like to call you and I practitioners. Mm. We might be doing different types of sort of optimization, but we're, yeah. we're all practitioners in what we do in our space. And I ask this question to everybody that I meet, and I go, what's the one thing you could apply to your to your trade to make you a better practitioner? Mm. And I've heard all kinds of answers, you know, but the one that stuck out for me in the last few months has been emotional intelligence. Mm. Because... You could be the greatest trainer, you could be the greatest practitioner, you could be the greatest strategist, but if you don't apply empathy mm. and you don't understand the type of client or avatar you're dealing with, then it, it's irrelevant. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, so, you know, I think sometimes the best gift you can give someone is them taking that sort of going this person heard me or this person saw me or this person acknowledged my, my need or mm. want or my fear or anything else. I think that's where all wellness practitioners should 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 be. It's, it's not just the comfort or where you're going to take them. It's how do you make them feel? Yeah. I remember when I, I've, I've said this before. When I first started as a PT, yeah. I was like, sick. I'm just going to flog everyone. That's how I like being trained. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. Within the first week, I was like, 
you need to check yourself and yeah. like you quickly learn and it's like yeah you you're gonna learn from people and what find out what makes them yeah you know come back and what makes them yeah. go i had a good time and yeah i'm sure you you worked me but I'm, yeah. I'm still leaving here with a smile yeah. yeah and some and you know some like someone asked it's funny i asked my buddy gonzalo this when i was first um trying to lose all this weight mm. the first question he said to me was um what type of person are you? And I said, what do you mean? He says, well, how do you handle adversity, especially yeah. when it comes to physical fitness? And I said, well, I think I need encouragement and validation. He says, yeah, because he's like, there's different people. Mm. He's like, the better you get at physical activity, the more harder you want to push yourself. Yep. But when you're starting out, you need validation. You need to feel good. You need yeah. to have that confidence. And so, yeah, I mean, everybody's different and everybody handles uh, I, I would assume a personal training session very differently. Some people want to get their asses. You yeah. Know, some people want the boot camp. Others are scared from it. You yeah. know what I mean? So, so it's it's about finding it's fine about finding that person and what that balance is. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, this is a very I don't want to pigeonhole. Sure. A, in any way, shape, or form, and this is probably going to put you on the spot. What word or phrase best describes your mindset? That's a really uh, good one. Yay. So. At this very moment, the word that comes to me is awakened. Okay. So that's the one that I'd go with today. Yeah, okay. And I, I, think, I think it would change based on my mood. Yeah, definitely. So uh, last night, my mindset was probably more curious. Mm. The, this week has been evolving mostly because I'm, I'm studying some new theories and life applications. Mm. Uh, I've got a couple of virtual conferences to do, so I've been in research mode. Yeah. But I would say my mindset right now is awakened because I'm not afraid to have the hard conversations. Mm. I'm not afraid to hold myself accountable, but I'm also not afraid to say, I'm not ready for this, but I'm ready for that. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I, I've My mindset has gone from, if this happens in my life, then that will happen. I've gone from, if this, then that, mm. to... I'm ready for this. I'm not ready for that. Okay. And there's a huge shift between those two yeah. mindsets. Um, I always like to round out my chats with people with advice. Right. So I'm going to throw some different things at you sure. and we're just going to feel it out. Yeah. So what's some advice you'd give to small business owners for growing their business? <clears throat> it can be as general or as specific as you like. Best story, best th- advice I can give them is become better storytellers. Okay. So here's the thing, right? Um, we're living in an age right now where we're consuming data at a higher pace than ever before, mm. right? So micro videos, photographs, you know, you, you go on Facebook Live, you go on Instagram Live. These are all important things, right? But but it's going above that. It's it's taking people into the lifestyle and almost turning it like your own reality show. Mm. Uh, a person who does it really well is DJ Khaled from Snapchat. Mm. So you may not like his music, but... He's got millions of Snapchat followers. And what I love about DJ Khaled is that he's not showing you just the glitz and the glamour of the fancy cars and everything else. He's showing you him sweating like a bull yeah. on a treadmill. Him going on his jet skis with Puff Daddy. Yeah. Him uh, you know, going to Jamaica and having all his crazy foods, you know. He, it's turned he's turned himself into a reality star going, "Okay, I'm actually going to show you everything." Mm. So I think that that's important as a small business owner, you are the brand, you are that person, right? So, you know, if I'm talking about let's say your business, right? 
show me the food show me the mm. the exercise yeah show me these little videos i don't need to see a, a a 25 minute training session for sure but make it count you know like yesterday when when i found a lot of humor when you were like best lesson i learned is go for a run early in the day yeah because funny enough i went for a walk to sean cliff you know a, a few days ago and i'm like I can still feel feel the sun biting. You know mm. what I mean? I'm like, lesson of the day, I should do it more probably later on in the yeah. evening. You know? So people relate to those life experiences yeah. and it goes beyond the business. So the best advice I have for small businesses today is become your own star- storyteller. Mm. Advice or a simple piece of marketing advice. Yeah. Don't market. Don't market? <laughs> Don't market. So I am a firm believer of not playing the numbers game. Mm. So... I would say the best marketing advice I have for you is create a client avatar. And this is what I I, I tell people. I'll come to you and say, okay, tell me who your client is. I want to know their age, their habits, what they do, what inspires them, where do they hang out, what are their demographics. Then I would cater my business to speak to that language. Mm. And if you've got multiple avatars, let's say you've got an avatar of a person that works Monday to Friday and can only work out once a week then you speak to them differently to the person that maybe needs more than one week attention. You know what I mean? So knowing your client's avatar and building that is the best marketing advice I can give you because then you're speaking to them. You know, the worst thing was I went to a a spa once and got a massage. They took my email address down and they started email marketing me, but selling me women's product line. Yeah, and it's just pumping it out. Yeah, and they're pumping it out. So I'm like, okay, number one, I like the spa. Yeah. I probably would come in if you sold me some beard grooming uh, things, but you're not speaking to me. Yeah. So the best advice, don't market. Yeah, okay. Um, Is is that still just thinking, is that similar to like throwing a net into some water and hoping that fish are caught or going to a place that you know where the fish are caught and throwing your net in? Is it sim- yeah, like, is that so, a similar enough analogy? Yeah, it's a, it's a good analogy. What I would say is is most people will train you to be the one that stands out and yeah. be this. Listen, you're not going to convince everybody. Mm. Everybody has competition and we're living in a day and age where, you know, there's a Starbucks or an app for everything. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I think the most important thing is what problem are you solving and how do you present your solution to that problem to people so you know in your particular case i would say you know i think storytelling and creative storytelling would basically go hey this is not just someone that can teach me how to optimize my life this is matt Mm. put a name to that you know hustle so hard so that everybody in the room knows your name you know that's the most important thing but don't hustle to the point where you're losing that flair yeah right you know you you still got to keep that shine and that sparkle yeah cool advice you would give to someone who knows their problem knows their solution but hasn't applied it reach out for love okay best advice i I can give you and 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 for the people that know that person do the same because most of the time you get success when people come together Mm. um i've found that um sometimes i've had to reach out to people and i can see them struggling on facebook or in media and i call them and go hey are you all right you know i noticed this post is checking in Mm. and i did that today and i talked to a person for over an hour and you know he sent me a message and said man thank you so much for reaching out i was really struggling with this you know Mm. so i think there's a there's sort of a two-way accountability for the person struggling, you're not a victim. Yeah. Reach out. You've got people that are there, like you said, 
you know, people are willing to help. But for the people around you, it's almost a disservice if you didn't reach out. Yeah. You know, I was watching an interview with Shaq O'Neal uh, because Kobe and Shaq used to have, you know, their t- ups and downs. Yeah, and same one, of, one of the things that Shaq said was he wished he reached out more because he worked so much. Yeah. And he wished that he actually, you know, talked to Kobe more, right? You don't want to be that person that just didn't make the effort. Mm. Mm. Uh, positive piece of advice for everyday people in everyday lives. Look, man, it's life. We're mm. all trying to figure it out. Positive yeah. thing I can say is live it. Mm. Live it Live it by design. Um, death and taxes, that's imminent. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so, And my mindset to this question might change if you ask me this question two months from now. Mm. But with everything that's going on, the biggest lesson I can share is um, you know, you got one shot at it. We really do. You know, unless you believe that you're going to come back as a cow or yeah. a parrot or something, maybe that does exist. I don't know. Yeah. But the way I look at it now, I got one shot at it. You got one shot at it. So why not give it your best shot? Live it. Love Live it. it. Yeah. Uh, advice to yourself at your lowest point. Uh, I would say come from a place of love. You know, if if I go back and spoke to my younger because I was I was I was a bigger guy, but mm. I played soccer. I was you know healthy, relatively healthy. Yeah. Um, I gave so much of myself to other people that I forgot my identity in the process. Best advice I could give myself at a younger age is start earlier, mm. uh, come from a place of love, and more importantly, just do. Yeah, just do. Uh, last one: advice to anyone that's stuck in a rut and hasn't had a light bulb moment yet, who is just living that negative mindset? Well, the problem is, is when you do you and have this notion that the world will adjust to whatever you're doing, Mm. it's not about that. It's about, are you happy? Mm. So the breakthrough question that made everything in my life change was one day somebody looked at me and said, are you happy? Yeah. And... The first default answer was, yeah, I'm fine. And like, no, no, are you really happy, right? If you're happy with where you're at, okay. But if you take the mask off and you're not happy, you owe it to yourself to find out why. Mm. That was the biggest game changer for me was that person hit me, that question hit me like like a brick, you know? Mm. Like I, I just like literally sat down and went, I'm not happy. Mm. I'm not happy with the lifestyle choices, the relationships that I'm being around, the toxicity. And then I realized, like, if I don't make this change, I'm cheating myself. Mm. So best advice, are you happy? Yeah. Mate, we've been chatting for a while now. We can chat for ages more. (laughs) Like I said from the start, we've got so many mindset things that link up. And I purposely didn't talk about the TED Talk, yep. because I want people to go and watch it. Awesome. Um, so if you just YouTube Bosco Anthony. On YouTube and TEDx Talk, you'll get it. Yeah. No problem. Awesome. Uh, and the website, if anyone is looking to get in contact with you, is? BoscoAnthony.com. Cool. And obviously Bosco Anthony on the socials as well. Episode one, season wow. two for the Back Yourself podcast is done. Appreciate your time, mate. It has been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. No worries. All right, guys, that concludes the first episode of season two. How good. Uh, we'll see you in the next episode. So there we have it. Episode one for season two of the podcast is in the books. I was not lying, was I? What a great story by Bosco. I hope you enjoyed the content we pumped out today. Um, we have plenty more guests coming 
in the future episodes that we're going to get bigger and bigger and bigger this year. But on Bosco's story, I hope some of the things we spoke about resonated with a few people. Um, I hope you are nodding along to some bits. I hope we maybe changed your perspective on some things, possibly. Um, the, the message I took away from our chat was um, very glass half full, obviously, but you got to know your purpose and you just because you're in a situation in life where you are now does not mean that you are stuck there. There are ways out of it, um, whether it be good or bad. You're in control of everything that will happen. The world is not going to end. Uh, it's all good. For all of Bosco's uh, information, check out boscoanthony.com. Follow him on Twitter and Instagram. Plus, please go on YouTube and check out his TED Talk. TED Talk Bosco Anthony. It is 15 minutes of value watching. That is the episode done. Wonderful times. How good. Uh, like I say every episode, whatever you got to do, whether it's changing your mindset, whether it's changing your situation, whether it's in the gym or in the kitchen or at work or at home, whatever it is, you just got to back yourself. See you in the next episode. <laughs>